0: Welcome to the Rock and Metal
1: Combat Podcast with Doctor Fuck and the
2: Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 Diddly d.
3: Wow. Hey, Em a gob! What's up, everybody? We're back. Me and Ian are back, and with me is Ian. Oh yeah!
1: Grandpa's getting drunk early on a Sunday.
4: That wait a second.
1: What thing?
3: <laughs> what? Wait, wait a second. Is that Ian or, or Eric? RMCp.
1: Oh. Hey. Oh, Yo. oh. Hey. Hey. Hey, we
3: got to give a plug to to the um, "Rock All Over You" podcast. Um, That's right. You know him and Edwin Canistrachi. That's right.
1: You know a lot of people say Eric RMCP doesn't have an original bone in his body, but he does when I
3: fuck him. Oh Oh, yeah, fuck yeah! (laughs) I've had that bone in my body. (laughs) Hey, I love those guys. Yeah, just so everybody knows, Ian fucks really good. Yes, yes,
1: it's quick, but it's good,
3: you know. To it's the point, hey, That's the best type of sex. Quick.
0: <laughs>
1: oh well, it is great, 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 great to be recording again. Uh, I'm so happy to do this. The delay has totally been on me uh, and shit I got going on, but I'm so happy to be recording. But I, I gotta say, I said this in the last episode. In the meantime, Ralph, you have been killing it. With all your your track by tracks and uh, your album reviews and stuff, amazing videos you've been putting out. Anybody who's not checking those out, I'm kidding. The only reason you're here is because you check out those videos. But uh, watch them again. Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. Uh, yeah. That, Thank that you that shit's good. Yeah, and and pay money to have him uh, shit or praise the album you love.
3: Yeah, people, uh, people send me, you know what I just did yesterday, Ian? Uh, no, a, a, two days ago somebody's paid me and he hates the album too he paid me to do generation swine Oh, Ouch. <laughs> I sat through that shit again I was like god damn yeah. but but I like glitter <laughs> oh, oh you you,
1: you got sorry. one that uh, you put up the other day and I haven't got a chance to watch it but I, I really want to it's uh, the trick-or-treat soundtrack versus something
3: yeah. I, I think it's Wasp. Yeah, Wasp, yeah, Headless Children.
1: Oh, 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 I know that's going to piss me off. I love both albums, but I know no, you I, don't I, love
3: I like them both, treat. too.
1: I oh, do. okay. I, I thought you didn't like Trick or Treat. Though.
3: No, no, I like Trick or Treat, but I don't think it's a pimple on the ass of the first that way Uh Yeah, okay, I get that. I get
1: that's that. Right. Love them both.
3: But anyway, but, uh, and we got two people here.
1: Oh, <laughs> That's an understatement. That is an understatement. We got the one and only Chris Sinzak. Yeah. uh, The founder, uh, the Svengali behind Rockin' Pod is with us today. And uh, I got to say even more, a little bit more important than that, we have the Hasidic headbanger, Stephen Kirsch here for his fan paint episode.
3: Yeah, Stephen Kirsch.
1: Thank you. Guys. Oh, oh, I know and and Steve is always, you know, when we have Steve on the show, it's always, uh, you know, I, I gotta juggle this because I get a lot of trouble because I make a lot of Jew jokes, and i get I get accused of so much, you know, anti-Semitism with my jokes, which is crazy because I love this fucking guy. You know he's one of the chosen
3: people. how could how could you not love him? Yeah, but, uh, but isn't it true? He's the only Jew you like?
2: No. Oh, okay.
3: I, I I mean that I I know
1: in real life, yeah. Hey, but uh, you, you
2: love you love Paul Stanley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul Stanley
1: Hey. But, um, but not that like I love you, but even even Chris Sinzek, when I when I was telling uh uh Chris Sinzek, you know, I go, you know, Stephen Curse is gonna be on this episode too. He he paid for this one. And he goes, Oh shit. He goes he goes, really? Is this gonna be a whole show of you just making Jew jokes? Because he said he he, he, goes, yeah, Chris said he goes, quite honestly, he goes, being Jewish is like the 10th worst thing that's wrong with this guy. And, uh, all
4: lies, all lies. You're so (laughs) full of shit.
1: (laughs) But, uh, no, I am so excited to have both of you guys on the show. Uh, great friends and, and, you know, people we know in real life. And, uh, I'm so happy. To not only be recording again, but to be doing it with you guys uh, means a lot to me. But, um, something I, I want to get away before we get into the festivities today. Uh, man, so many people have fucking died since we last recorded. Holy shit. A lot of people have passed away. But the one that affects me the most, and I think affects the listeners the most, is Donnie Allen. And... I have not been, as everybody knows, I think there's things like, you know, what happened to Wadzell? I have not been on Facebook in a couple months. And uh, I apologize, but I've had a lot of shit going on. But I accidentally, with my fat sausage fingers, hit Facebook on my phone the other day. And the first thing that was popped up, I believe it was Ryan Russell had a post. I uh, could be wrong there. But, uh, but Donnie Allen passed away. I knew Donnie had been battling cancer um, for a long time uh, he went into remission uh, he had been battling when I went out to see him I believe it was shit 2019 uh, Donnie who i had been friends with on, on Facebook for a long time he, he's been in our group uh, reached out to me and said hey uncle Assen's playing Dallas he goes, you get your ass here. I got the ticket. And shit, how can I turn that down? Um, and it was a very, very hard time in my life. You know, people listen to the show know I was going through a horrible breakup at the time. Poor Donnie picks me up at the airport. <laughs> I think he's expecting Wadzilla, you know, wild, crazy, man. And I was just like, uh, I was. I was not on fire, but I jumped into his fucking Corvette, and this thing, holy shit, we were doing 100 miles an hour in Dallas, on the highway, and he had this fucking awesome Corvette. When he hit the gas, the car would actually lower. It was insane. Never had anything like this, and I was all depressed and bummed out, and within about a half hour, Donnie knocked all that shit out of my system. And this was like a flying. I flew in the day of the concert and had to leave the next day. And Donnie was the best ever. We had so much fun. Uh, Went back to this house. And and he's just like all of us. You should have seen his record collection. You know, the shit he had. And with all the stuff, you know, he had going on, you know, health-wise and everything, you never know it. Here I am, you know, crying about a girl... He's battling cancer and had the greatest attitude, and we went out to eat before the show, we got to meet uh, the opening band that we both loved, and uh, man, just what a fucking killer show, and then we drove all around Dallas, drunk as shit, blaring dangerous toys, and all kinds of shit like that that we loved, and it was just the best night ever. And we said we were going to do it again. Uh, I'm sure Donnie wouldn't mind now that he's passed on. But Donnie was on parole. He got busted with some uh, with some hippie lettuce, <laughs> and he couldn't leave Texas. And he said, as soon as I get off this shit, he goes, "I'm going to come to New Orleans, you know, and, and hang with you." And we had it planned, and it just it never happened. But we stayed in touch. But This guy was just unbelievable, man. And he lived and breathed hard rock and heavy metal just like all of us, man. And he had, you know, great eclectic taste. He loved the cock rock. He loved the stoner rock. He loved the thrash. And, you know, music was his life. And he loved the show. And, uh, you know, it's just, I always thought there'd be time. You know, I always thought. Um, you know, yeah, we didn't hook up this time but, you know, there's going to be a time me and Donnie, you know, we're going to hook up again and and we're going to have just as much fun and it really fucking gutted me when I saw that the other day so I just want to dedicate this episode to Donnie and um, yeah, he he was a cool cat who loved metal and loved our show and uh, so glad for the for
2: the time we did have so i'm gonna knock back one
1: right now to
3: donnie allen yeah man rest in peace donnie allen i hate hearing stuff like this man Sucks. cancer sucks
4: Uh, i and i used to follow i remember when when ian went out to meet him up with for that concert and also remember him on the on the group page and he always was good at ball busting and posting funny stuff, and uh, he truly did love the music, and, and I know he loved th- this show quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, gone way too soon. He seemed like he was an awesome guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, he was. He was. And then, like I said, for somebody who battled the shit he had, you never once heard him complain. Never woe is me. Just like, hey, I'm going to beat this, and, you know, I'm going to rock out, you know. And, yeah. uh, But I remember he... He asked me, he, he goes, hey, um, I think it was the Night Creeper by Uncle Acid in the Deadbeats. He goes, hey, you got that on vinyl? I was like, of course I got it on vinyl. He goes, well, do you have it signed? I was like, well, no, but I got it. He goes, bring your copy, give it to me. He goes, I'm going to give you my signed copy. Nice. And he wouldn't take no for an answer. And he said, hey, man, he goes, these guys are now one of my favorite bands. And I'd never know him if it wasn't for you talking about him on the show. And uh and it was crazy. And you know, the day I found out, you know, I got my phone on shuffle and driving the car. Once you know some Uncle Acid came on and uh Yeah, it was it was uh bittersweet. Bittersweet. But uh yeah, I just I had to mention that. you know.
3: Oh, that's great, and Bless him, man. He uh, took Ian in when he was a little pussy with fool and, uh-huh. gave, and gave him a good time, man. I mean, that's what we all need when we're pussy with. We, yeah. we got, we got yeah. to have somebody to come around and just slap some happiness into us. And Donnie Allen did it. And uh, rest in peace. Uh, great dude, man. Oh,
1: yeah. And uh, my condolences to his family and his daughter. Uh great guy great guy good times I'll never forget and I don't want anybody to forget him on the page so I always love, you know anytime somebody pops up some pictures of Donnie Allen or you know says something to remember and at all of it you know because we're all a family on the page and it, it's it's time for me to get back in touch with my family so I will be back on the Facebook page starting tomorrow that, that is a promise I will make time no matter what's going on in my life I will make time for that page so
3: well, you won't see me. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> hey! Hey, I, I, I get it! I, I, I got a 30-day ban for posting Motorhead lyrics.
2: Oh, for God's sake.
3: Yeah. Uh-oh. I put on uh, Orgasmatron, and they gave me 30 days for that. the lyrics on that song.
1: 30?
3: For I Am Mars. 30 days in the hole for that. Yeah. Thir- uh, for, I am god, for I Am Mars, the god of war, and I will cut you down. 30 days. Jesus. Yeah. But 30 days
4: in a hole is interesting you mentioned that. I'm going to see Frampton tonight. Oh, oh nice. Nice. Still
3: touring. Huh? I thought he I thought he retired.
4: He he basically is retired but he's doing a I guess he's filming like a show at the local college theater here. It's a free show so I get to see him for free.
1: Nice. Okay, well when you go there Don't ask him to play 30 Days in the Hole because that was after he left Humble Pie.
4: I know. I'm just making the Humble Pie. But thanks, (laughs) asshole.
1: (laughs) But, uh, no, I can't believe you got 30 days for that. Uh, You you know what's fucked up is... uh, I I did put one little post on uh, the Facebook page that that Steve Kirsch was going to be on this show. And Kanye got 30 days, because he posts. he goes, God damn it, the Jews even run the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. <laughs> you know, so mm. so you and Kanye are in Facebook jail now. Ugh.
3: Kanye's on our work. page, huh? Yeah, I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he goes by, uh, <laughs> uh he goes by a different name.
3: Yay, right? That's his name now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay, or yay or ye, you know, whatever. You'll see him in 30 days.
3: Go get the (laughs) yayo.
1: Well, now we got, you know, the sad stuff out of the way. We got to talk about the fun stuff and stuff we got to look forward to. And that is Rockin' Pod is coming up this March.
3: We have a contest, Ian. We do. Yeah, for Rockin' Pod. Anybody that can pronounce Chris's last name correct, Ian will get you a ticket to Rockin' Pod. Really? Yeah.
4: It's pronounced Jeffrey Viera.
3: Viera, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: I didn't know you were a spit, Chris. I thought you were a
3: polar. Hey, hey, man. That's not cool. You're not a spit. You can't say spit. Only I can.
1: Oh, God damn it. I I, I just make jokes. I don't know why I get considered racist. I mean, yeah, yeah, I might not like those mongrels, the French. But other than that... I love everything.
4: I'm just confused, that's all.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's because you're a Polak.
4: And I like the Bon Jovi record we're going to talk about, so that that adds to the confusion.
1: Oh, God. We'll get into that bullshit later. But, Chris, why don't you tell everybody about Rockin' Pod, when it is, and why they should be there?
4: Well, why they should be there is you get to get hammered with ian and, and hang out with ralph because i know ralph doesn't partake in the booze anymore so um
3: just hard drugs
4: just a hard okay so you can snort coke with ralph and, and drink yeah. with ian um that's the that's the main reason to come but also uh we're doing uh well march 17th which is st patrick's day we're doing a pre-party concert uh it's one of those rare hair shows like we did last year where we had uh billy sheehan and greg bissonette get up and get together and a lot of the celebrities that were in town and we're going to do that again and some of our uh, guests for Rock and Pot are going to jump on stage, like Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys, who you mentioned a minute ago. Yes. Um, yes. Also, uh, Stevie Rochelle from Tough. I know that's Ian's favorite band. Oh, um, uh-huh. no, wait. That's Aaron Camaro. Oh, um, also, <laughs> uh, Eric Martin from Mr. Big is going to be a part of the whole weekend. A uh, lot of stuff going on. That'll be a fun night. And then uh, Saturday's the expo. And we'll have, you know, those guys and uh, Eddie Ojeda from Twisted Sisters is going to be in attendance. That'll be cool. Uh, Mark Weiss, actually the guy who photographed the album cover that we're going to talk about today, um, among many others, is going to be there. Um, Monty Colvin from uh, Galactic Cowboys. And after I heard your episode, I realized you guys are huge fans of theirs. Um, <laughs> also... Uh, uh, a lot of people. I'm not going to go over the whole guest list. Just a ton of stuff. Go to rockandpod.com, and then we've got some cool stuff scheduled for Sunday. I can't announce just yet, but probably, maybe by the time this comes out, it'll be uh, it'll be announced. Go to rockandpod.com, March 17th through 19th, Nashville, Tennessee. Come get drunk with us. It'll, it's always fun. Yes, yes. And
3: the, uh, and the YouTube sensation, Dr. Fuckalicious, is going
4: to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. With
1: his Yes, and, and, and another... Another thing people should know is, uh, you know, there's room specials and all kinds of stuff that uh, you can be part of. Uh, So plan now, you know, because it's going to be here before you know it. And it's it's been stellar every year. I know a lot of people who were going to come last year missed, you know, due COVID and all that shit, but that's all gone now. So there's no excuse. Yeah, yeah, over. Get your ass.
4: Let me, let me also make sure I mention, um, for Saturday, with the Expo, um, after the Expo is a thing called Kiel Fest going on at a club downtown with Ron Kiel Band. Um, Kiel's going to perform. Uh, there's a Steeler reunion. Rick Fox is going to play with that. Obviously, no Yngwie. uh Mitch Perry's going to fill in on that. But then a, a couple of great bands from Ron's label. But And you can get a combo ticket to get into both events at uh, rockinpod.com So I'll make sure I mention that.
3: Well, let me tell you something. I am a huge fan of Mitch Perry. I had no idea he was going to be there.
4: Yeah, he'll be doing the lead work on that, and he'll be at the Expo all day, too.
3: Awesome. He was the one that replaced him I believe. Yep. Awesome. I did not know that. Yeah, and,
4: and
1: you know, every, all of our listeners who have been there in the past, you know what a fun time it is. Uh, you know, and for everybody who's like, I'm the fence, man, don't be. Because I... I Yeah, meeting us is is cool and fun. You know, we are going to do all your drugs and drink all your beer. Ralph's going to sleep with your girlfriend and your mother. Uh,
3: Hey, 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 I'm seeing somebody now.
1: Yeah.
4: Really? What's his name? Hey! Well,
3: he changed his name to a girl's name. I'm into trannies now.
4: You didn't know that, Chris? No, I didn't know. I, that, that's oh. news to me. Yeah, that's awesome news, isn't it? I had a feeling the last time I visited you, you know, I woke up with a sore ass and all, but uh, you know, I wasn't sure if that was for sure or not.
3: Yeah, that was Aaron doing it to you, but I was doing it to Aaron. <laughs> it <laughs> was like <laughs> a three-way.
4: That's pretty Roof, normal.
3: Those roofies work like a charm.
4: Yeah. We got very close at
3: <laughs>
1: But seriously, everybody, you get to meet... Uh, You get to meet a lot of these rock stars that you know and love. The merch that's there is incredible. You know, if you want vinyl, if you want, you know, T-shirts, stuff like that. It's all there. All the different events. And I think, you know, the best part is you're hanging out with thousands of other people who are into the same shit you're into. And that is a lot of fun. You know, think about how many times you know we all go to work or whatever you know and, and nobody else is into the shit we're into <laughs> you know you can't talk to you know the, the guy next to you about you know the metal bands you know and love here is just a bunch of like-minded motherfuckers ready to party ready to have fun so you have that camaraderie you, you get to meet you know musicians you know and love you get to see the podcasts that you listen to week weekend week out uh, it's just a stellar fucking event. And it, it's not going to break the bank. It, it's very affordable. Like I mentioned, there's deals on on rooms and stuff like that. What I suggest to a lot of people, if they're like, oh, I don't know if I can hook up with people. You know, hook up. Hey, you going? Yeah, I'm going, okay, let's split a room. You do that. I mean, it, it's, it's so affordable and it's a lot of fun. And uh, it's just a good time. So make those plans now. You know, if you got to put in for those vacation days or, you know, tell the wife something, you know, I'm going fishing or whatever. Do what you got to do. Get your ass to Nashville. You will not regret it. Unless, you know, you only brought enough beer for you and then I drink it all. Then you're fucked. So bring enough beer for me and you and enough drugs and a chick with a dick for Ralph. And you're going to have a good time.
3: I know I will. (laughs) Hey.
1: Hey, Yeah. All right. Well, now it's time to go into the news. And, uh, boy, I just saw something depressing. Did any of you guys see uh, Jack Russell's Great White perform in Ohio? No. No. Oh, man. Uh, This was something that was just put up. And... You know, if you follow all this great white drama, uh, what's the guitar player's name, Mark Kendall, is just, uh, he said, oh, we, we just can't take him back. Cause that happens because, you know, great white goes through a, a lead singer every other week, but yet they don't go back to Jack Russell, you know, which I don't understand because this guy, you know, wrote all the songs. He's got such an iconic voice. And Mark Kendall's like, have you seen him? He sits on a stool. He has no stage presence. And I'd seen some video from a couple years ago. I thought he sounded, you know, pretty good. You know, not bad. You know, not like, you know, Don Dockin now bad or anything like that. But man, I watched this footage and all of a sudden I understand Mark Kendall. Because he's either standing perfectly still or sitting on a stool. And those vocals were just, oh, weak as fuck.
3: Well, so are the songs. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Damn, oh, for the first time, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not going to defend, uh, you know, uh, his vocals now, but I will defend Great White's music. I am a big Great White fan, and uh, it was sad to see. I, I got I to gotta get, uh, you know, the Jew involved here. Steven Kirsch,
2: are you a Great White fan? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I like a few songs of theirs. I think I saw them opening for somebody back in the day. I can't remember who. Um, could have been Bon Jovi. I don't know. Uh, but I, yeah, I've got, like, the greatest hits and, you know, definitely a few songs I like, but not really my kind of thing.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, so you like Bon Jovi, but not Great White. Uh, since then, you you've you got to be a Great White fan.
4: Yeah, I like a lot of their stuff. I, um but I, I do like the the early stuff kind of before they went all straight on blues rock but i even like the stuff that you know after they got famous i think uh i think they've got some great stuff i think jack has an amazing voice or at least he used to and i yeah. saw them op- i saw them open for kiss on the revenge tour and then i Me too i saw them in the late 90s uh opening for poison on one of those glam slam metal jam tours and um Me he too. sounded good then too
1: Yeah it's it's just sad uh you know cuz i was kind of always on the oh, he's getting fucked, he's getting fucked, you know, he's not, you know, his health's better, you know, he's, he's not on the fucking shit anymore, uh, but watching this latest video, and he's up there with a, with a really subpar band, I mean, the, the drummer was bland, the guitar player was no Mark Kendall, uh, I believe the guitar player now is Tony Montana, There's gotta be a stage name. But he played bass on, I believe it was
4: on um, Once Bitten. Once
1: Bitten, yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. Uh, well, I, I um, Jack was one of the first, I guess, more names of note that we interviewed on Decibel Geek, and he was a really nice guy. He was so nice, so like we he, we had a great conversation, and then at the end he was like, "Here's my phone number. Call me anytime." And I'm like, "Why are you giving me your phone number?" But um, I never called him. But uh, it's I, but I, he was also kind of preaching about his sobriety through the interview. And I remember thinking, Aaron and I both looked at each other and we're like, he's not sober. There's just no way.
1: Yeah, and, and nobody wants that. You know, I don't want him to be sober. I just want him to be good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was very sad to see this because, I, you know, I've talked about in the last couple episodes. I've seen footage of Great White with their current singer. Who they kind of did like a, a Skid Row thing? Yeah, he's gonna be. A,
4: he'll be at Rock and Pot also.
1: <laughs> oh, the new singer will be? Yes, sir. Oh man, I mean, he he looks like a fourteen-year-old girl, but the yeah. pipes on this kid. Holy shit! I
3: mean, every, every he looks like a fourteen-year-old girl. girl. <laughs> and he has a dick. Yes, yeah! Ralph, it's like, it checks all the boxes. Ralph Uh-oh. is now
4: a hundred percent into film.
3: I'm aroused because I'm into trannies and little kids. <laughs> but uh, but man,
1: that kid can sing. I mean, really good. All the footage I saw, you know, in a lot of these you gotta take into consideration. Okay, this is somebody foaming on their phone at a county fair. Um uh, But but this kid was nailing it, so if I had my choice now, I mean before I would be like, oh, I'm gonna go see Jack Russell's. But now I'd go see Great White with, you know, Scab Singer because that kid's knocking it out of the park. I'll yeah, be nailing
4: him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the closest they've gotten to sounding like Jack uh, with any of the others. St- I never thought any of the other guys really fit, but he's about as close as they've oh, got. Oh, yeah. That's, I still, I mean, as a fan, I would still rather hear Jack back in the band. But, but yeah, this kid does a great job. And, yeah, he, he's talented for sure. sure. Are they recording oh, this? no. Yeah. They, um, I asked Brett about it, and he said that Mark's been talking about demos and stuff he's been doing. So I have to think they they are going to plan on recording with him.
1: Yeah, that that's a hard thing too when you replace a singer like that because, you know, Jack Russell's not only his voice but his songwriting uh, was the soul of that band. So when you don't have that, yeah, new material going to be kind of hard but uh, after seeing what I saw Jack Russell solo like I said if, if I had my druthers I'm, I'm going to go see him with this uh replacement guy and I think in just my personal opinion uh, I'd rather see that than Skid Row with this new kid everybody's going nuts about because I heard those new Skid Row songs and that shit's terrible oh I like I, it terrible. I fucking oh, love that new I,
2: um, I like that new CD Oh, God. Yeah, well, you like
1: Bon Jovi. That's why we got to talk about
2: this. Yeah, but you like Bang Tango, so. And yeah, hey, gonna... there you go. I like Boom. One song. One
3: Hell
2: song. yeah,
3: Stephen <laughs> Kirsch coming through with the knowledge.
2: <laughs> Never letting that one go. Yeah, oh,
3: my God. You
2: know,
3: <laughs> hey, thanks for reminding me he liked Bang
4: Tango. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Build a thousand
3: ships, but like one Bang,
1: bang Tango song.
4: Never living that shit down.
1: Never, never. All right. Well, uh, somebody else who passed away that, uh, oh, man. uh, I I mean, you can't be surprised. In this day and age, whenever anybody passes away that that we like, I mean, think about it. We liked them when we were kids. And we're old. They're older than us. Jeff Beck passed away.
3: Yeah, Uh, that that sucks, man. He was awesome. yeah,
1: Yeah, and I'm so so thankful that I got to see him once I saw it was a uh, co-headlining tour in 94 with him and Santana and it was awesome you know it was like you know before Santana did that smooth shit you know with the Matchbox 20 kid so they were both just playing like you know the classic hits and I remember Jeff Beck just did this amazing solo and popped a string. And, and just didn't stop. Didn't let it affect him. Didn't throw it off. He just adjusted and kept at it. And, uh, oh my God. I mean, Jeff Beck, what a fucking career. And I loved how different it was. I mean, there's so many different eras to his plane. There's, you know, the Yardbirds. Uh, there's the original Jeff Beck group with Rod Stewart, you know. And, and you know, I, I all these people like, hey, you might hate Rob Stewart. Check out, you know, the two Jeff Beck group albums he did before, you know, he did the If You Want My Body and you know, I'm Thinking of Sexy shit. Amazing singer. You got uh, Ron Wood on bass. Check out Truth.
3: And Beckola. Oh, my God. Truth and Beckola the- he- are awesome, but my favorite is Wired and Blow by Blow. Those two oh, yeah' are fucking awesome.
1: Oh yeah, no, and I was getting to that. Then you got the jazz fusion era, you know, of uh, Blow by Blow and Wired. Uh, Wired is probably my favorite Jeff Beck album of all time. As much as I love Truth, uh, Wired is just phenomenal. You got the live album with Jan Jan Hammer, that's incredible. Uh, there and Back from 1980 is a is a fantastic album. Uh, and I listened to a little bit of the album he just put out a couple months ago the one he did with uh, Johnny Depp Uh, wasn't bad I mean it was good uh, just such a incredible guitar player and it's a shame there's a lot of people who know the name Jeff Beck but maybe don't know the music and so many of the guitar players that you know and love I mean they worship Jeff Beck and he, even though, you know, not the greatest, but like, McMaster's favorite guitar player is Jeff Beck.
3: You know, <laughs> you know, uh, his solo on that horrible Ozzy is awesome. Oh, yeah. That that song he played on that Ozzy is so good. The song sucks, but he is so good on it.
1: Right. I, I know, and I thought it was so terrible that when, when Ozzy did like a tweet uh, about Jeff Beck dying, you know, he's like, oh, Jeff Beck, and he's like, and he recently played on my album, uh, Psycho, whatever, number nine, uh, hashtag. You know, I'm like, oh, God. Even though you don't know, like Sharon wrote that shit. But, yeah. You know, like, God damn. Really? You got, you got to associate him with that horrible shit? Uh, but he was. He was just, I mean, one of the greats of all time. And any guitar player worth their salt will tell you uh, what an influence he was and what a tremendous... And how different he was as a guitar player, but uh, which by the way, did everybody hear the new Metallica
3: song that was released? Yeah. yeah. I did. What'd you guys think of it? Loved it. I loved it. I love both those songs. I like the Lux one a little more, but mm. I love this new
4: one. Yeah, I feel the same. I like the new one. I like, but the yeah, Luxi Turner I thought was a lot better than the newest one.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I got I got my ticket. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, you're going for
2: it. Yeah, I'm going. It's at Giant Stadium. so I'm is, is Pantera
3: playing
2: that one? I'm going both both dates, so I'm seeing Pantera one night, um, uh, Mammoth the other night. I don't know who else is playing, but it's a Friday night and a Sunday night. Correct. <coughs> cool. right. yeah,
1: yeah, every every show on the tour, I believe, is a Friday and a Sunday. I didn't, Steven, I didn't know you liked Metallica.
2: That's not too uh, rambunctious for you? I saw them on Master of Puppets Tour the first time with Anthrax. Oh, okay. And I, I met them all, I met, I met Cliff, I met all of them. Uh, oh, what wow. We, we, what we did was, uh, we were hanging around, I guess I was about 16, we were hanging around the hotel where they were staying and we saw them come out, we followed them and we went to a fish and chip shop and we were we <laughs> were waiting for them to come out and they came out and uh, they checked to us, I they signed a load of stuff for us. I had a thin Lizzy jacket on and they were commenting on my jacket. And then- um nice. Then after the show, we were waiting outside. It was at the Manchester Apollo, and uh, it's like a 3,000-seat, you know, place. And we were sitting, um, we were waiting outside. It was freezing cold, and there was about maybe 40 or 50 of us, and they brought us all back in, and they sat us down back in the rows on the main floor, and then they sat on the stage, and then one by one, they called each row up, and we all kind of took turns going up and meeting all of them, getting things signed and everything, and then like, it was really cool. And then the wow. thing was it was like a month or two later when Cliff died because from England they then went on to the rest of Europe and that's when he had the accident.
1: Oh, that's a I never do that. Man. That's amazing.
3: The moral well, of the story is that grow yourself a killer mullet and you'll get into cool seats. Right Steve?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I don't think I had <laughs> a mullet at that time. Well, huh. I don't know, 16, I think it was in the middle of growing, you know. Oh, okay. But um but no, I mean they were I I got into them, I remember I used to get Kerrang! That was like my bible back then, you know, before the internet and all that stuff. And it came out, you know, first it was every two weeks, then it was every week. And I remember one of the reviews in there was for Fight Fire, uh, was for Ride the Lightning. And the way they did it was each song, they gave it a instead of like a one to ten or one to five rating, it was um, zeros to hundred miles per hour. That's how they did it. And and I remember it was it always stuck with me and. But it's weird because back then you would read the reviews, but you'd, you'd never heard the songs. You couldn't just go online and listen to the song. So I, I bought the album based purely on that review and then uh, got into that way. I remember when Master Puppets came out, and that's when I first saw them.
3: Nice. Oh,
1: that's awesome. I'm so glad you're going to that. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I talked about it on a previous episode. Uh, I think a friend of my son's is buying one of those Ultimate packages and then we're gonna like, you know, give him some money towards that, so hopefully I get to see that. I, I love Lux Aterna, uh, the, the other one, Suicide Screaming, I think it's called. Uh, I didn't mind it, you know, I, I was worried. When I saw a lot of people, before I heard it, I saw a lot of reviews and they were saying like, oh, this is like a loader, you know, reload era song. No, so it's not. <laughs> automatic. A- automatically, I'm like, oh it's gonna suck it's gonna suck and then i listened to it i do feel like it was middle of the road
2: metallica
1: but i didn't hate it i
2: didn't i didn't the but didn't yeah, like the, so pro- the problem is with the you know with an internet now it's just there's so many haters on there just hating to hate they, <laughs> don't, they don't care what metallica rings out they're going to say they hate it before they listen to it that's just yeah you just look like on the first the three or four albums and they can't get past whatever i done saw
3: I saw a guy write. It wasn't on Blower Mouth. I think it was Facebook. Said, um, "I don't care what they release. It's gonna suck. Like I'm not even gonna listen. I don't." Yeah, that's
2: my point. You
3: know. Yeah, Metallica is one of these bands that, you know, I mean, hey, I was one of them. I hated Metallica since like the Black uh, album. Then like Hardwired was like, "Fuck, this is awesome." But I was one of those haters. But at least I give it a chance. You know. And uh, hardwired, I still, I still listen to that fucking album. I love hardwired, and I'm loving this. These two new ones are great, and I'm just hoping the rest of the album is as good.
1: Yeah, we yeah. No, I like I said, I listened to it, and uh, I was prepared to hate. And I heard, and I got what people meant by when they were comparing it to load or reload. Because again, I do believe you know it wasn't as thrashy as. Uh, as lux was uh but i did enjoy it and i, I just i tried to do to it with an open mind i didn't love it but i liked it and i'm excited for the new one and hopefully i get to go see him um so yeah but you know i'll probably like the new overkill better <laughs> that's just how it is but uh another band holy shit! i mean uh, a lot of drama the last time we recorded and even more since then is Journey. Oh, God. And, <laughs> and holy shit, it went to... Uh, all of a sudden, uh, Jonathan Cain was out and Greg Rowley was coming back in, which I was excited about because I was like, finally, I'm going to go see Journey. I'll go see Journey if Greg Rowley's there. Fuck it. They got my money. Yeah, I... I love Greg Rowley. I love what Greg Rowley did with Santana. I love those early Journey records. Uh, you know, where Journey lost and he was the Jonathan Kane era. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'll go see this in a heartbeat. But now, apparently, uh, Greg Rowley is not officially doing this tour. Jonathan Kane will be there. And he just sued Neil Sean for a million dollars, which. You know this tour is starting in a matter of weeks and holy fuck is this shit dysfunctional you know and it's funny that this much drama is going on while they're basically still a journey cover band I mean you got you know you got the Filipino kids singing it's just uh, Neil Sean Jonathan Kane and a bunch of hired people I mean even though you got you know Dean Castronavo or whatever the fuck his name is on drums who does an amazing job singing as well as drumming? They've got a, uh, another keyboard player, which, god damn it, what is this Guns N' Roses shit where you need multiple keyboard players? Uh, but he sings a lot of the old shit. But, you know, I was hoping, give me some fucking Greg Raleigh where you get that classic shit, you know, and, you know, you get songs like Anytime and Feeling That Way and shit like that. Uh, just get Jonathan Cain the fuck out of there. But I think legally, he's got his claws in so hard, there's no getting rid of him. Without a payoff that probably Neil Sean can't afford.
3: Yeah, Greg, Raleigh, Greg Raleigh's not going to be there and neither am I.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Chris and Steve, are, are either of you Journey fans at all?
4: I I like him. I mean, I <clears throat> I'm waiting for the Robert Fleischman return. That's the thing I'm waiting for. <laughs> oh, no! I, I I think it'd be cool if Greg Raleigh came back. But I mean, at the same time, all I have to all I can think is like everybody talked about Steve Perry being you know the big headed narcissist that ruined the band and won't and won't make good. He's probably sitting back laughing, going, maybe I'm not the problem, huh? You know, um, you, know
3: you know who's also laughing? The members of Rat.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm not a big uh, fan of Journey. Not my uh, the, the two, Really? Yeah, you know what? It's funny actually because you'll you'll think this is bizarre, but they're too mellow for me. And I mean, I'm wow. To, first of all, I didn't grow up with it because in England they were. Not, I don't think they were that big in England when I was growing up. No. And besides, no. don't stop believing, which everybody knows. But other than that, I never really. So when I moved here, I had a friend who actually was really into them, and he gave me um, the Escape album. And I was just like, eh, whatever, there's so many slow songs on it, and, uh, uh, you know, in their catalog, I should say. So I never really got into them. Um, I actually, the album that I do like the most with regards to Journey is the Steve Perry Streets book album. I love that album. Uh, that's the only thing I really say I, I like by within the Journey family. Uh, I have seen them live, though, when they toured with Def Leppard years ago. and. Uh, but I'm not, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't mind them. I just don't really listen to them, you know.
1: Wow, uh, you you surprise me. Like I never would have guessed you liked Metallica, I, and I would think you love Journey because yeah, I, you love Bon Jovi. I literally you, go
2: from one end of the spectrum to the other. I like all, all kinds of stuff, you know. But I probably fall more in the middle than, than anything. You you are one amazing Jew,
1: and 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 you and you love New
2: Iron Maiden which I don't get. Oh my uh, God, I fucking love that band. <laughs> I love um, that band. And I, I saw that tour and it was, oh my God, it was fantastic.
3: I, I, I gotta tell you, Ian, somebody donated for me to do a track by track with Dance of Death and Book of Souls. Dude, Dance 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 of Death is pretty damn good, man. I was very amazed by that album. I couldn't believe how good What? It? Yeah. It's a great album yeah i thought it was really really there's a song on there called monstrous or something like that fucking awesome man i was i was shocked i was shocked how good it was because uh, I, I i own it i bought it when it came out i didn't like it back then i put it on uh, for the track by track i was like fuck this is really good i was shocked uh, but, you know, but,
2: but this more i think maiden or another they're in the category of like metallica where people just pre-judge them now at this point, and they're stuck on the Diano years, or up to, let's say, Power Slave, or Um yeah. And then after that, they don't give a crap. And I love Maiden, they're one of my favorite bands, but there's definitely a few albums in there that I don't listen to. But I almost love, the, you know, the second era of Bruce more than the first era, to be honest. Oh, my God. I, it, it's one of
1: those things like, uh, I've been trying. I, I went through a Maiden phase, and I think I talked about this a couple episodes ago. I was listening to a lot of, like, old-school Maiden. And I was like, God damn it, I love this band. So I took a lot of the newer albums and I, I, I put them on my phone. I'm like, I, I need to give it another chance. Maybe it's just something I'm missing. And every time something comes on from uh, shit Tigo or Stratego, whatever the fuck it's called, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm like, this, this is so horrible it's the same overlong intro the same like song that really should only be four minutes and 30 seconds but for some reason is 10 minutes and 59 seconds and i'm just like they're losing the point it's boring and and like the same guitar riffs the same like this celtic like you know let's dance around stonehenge Spinal Tap
3: kind
1: of, ding, 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 you know. I'm like, like, where in the fuck is my two minutes to midnight? You know. God damn it! You know. I hope. I hope up? the
2: next album is four discs, an hour, an hour long each disc, and each disc is one track. <laughs> <the three laughs> of <midnight off>. Yeah, <laughs>
3: I like. I like the the that, uh, three of the long songs off that Stratigo album. Dude, the last yeah.
2: three songs on there are amazing. Like the long, well,
3: ones are good
2: man. Yeah. You, you, control, you
1: Steven, you control the media, so I'm sure you'll get your way. And I'll, I'll get fucked out of my short, good Iron Maiden songs.
3: <laughs> oh,
1: my fucking Yeah, man.
3: it is true. You guys do uh, own the media, because I heard it from a guy from Boston.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I, I, I don't... Did I talk about this on the last episode? I don't know if it happened or yet. Did you know that a, uh, somebody who's very against our show and tried to get us
3: canceled was thrown off of Podbean. Did I talk about that? Oh, no, I did not know this.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Somebody, I mean, I'm not going to mention names, <laughs> but somebody you all know was kicked off of Podbean. Uh, so that probably helps us not get reported anymore. But yeah, he, he posted an episode that was... Uh, so anti-Semitic that he was thrown off of Podbean. Wow. He did an ep- he did an episode about the Holocaust entitled You Know It Didn't Happen. Oh. True story. True Just story. It. Uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, he he has been taken down from Podbean it's no longer available. So that's good news. Yep. All right? I hate that he's spreading misinformation, but uh yeah, so that's nice.
3: All right, what else? Hey, hey I got I got a news story, Ian. Alrighty. And yeah, of course you're not gonna agree if you heard it. I know you're not gonna like it, but I think it was on our last episode we were talking about uh Quiet Riot releasing a song with Kevin DeBro and Frankie yes. Banale. Did yes. you hear it? Yes, I did. I fucking loved it. I liked it too. <laughs> I lo- I mean, dude, seriously, it's like the greatest quiet ride song ever. I think. I I, I I think so. I think it's the greatest song they ever did.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah I don't agree with that.
4: It's no. It's I mean, it's no, it's no party all night. Hey,
3: oh, yeah.
1: hey, stop your feet and clap your hands. Oh. Uh,
2: or stop your fucking ears and give yeah, up well, I don't know. them I, I saw them, I uh, saw them on the condition critical tour guy, yeah, and I saw, okay. saw walk destroy them
4: oh, my, my, my favorite not- review my favorite review of that album was it was just two words It said condition terminal
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible
1: no, but that's awesome Ralph you saw on the condition condition critical tour and Steve saw on the condition condition critical tour now I just got to find the other three guys. <laughs> and I'll know everybody.
4: You can have a For reunion something. at Rock and Roll. No, no, the no,
1: funny—I'm—I'm I'm a, I'm a masochist. I'm a masochist. I got the—they just released—it's uh, it, a remastered version of the last album, Kevin DeBrue's Rehab, uh, and that's the one that has this new uh, ballad on it.
3: Oh, really? And, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. That—that's what it's from. They—they they did a remaster of Rehab. Uh, it, it's like, it's supposed to be remixed and everything. Uh, and I loaded it on my phone. I'm like, fuck it, I'll give it a chance. But I did hear, I would say probably maybe a minute of the song you guys heard, and, and I
3: had to shut it off. Yeah, I was it's, like, it's, it's, a, it's a ballad. I know you wouldn't like it. I loved it. I, I, like,
1: I know, but I'm, I'm such a bitch. you think I would love these ballads, but, uh, but no, and probably my favorite Quiet Riot song of all time is uh, "Don't Want to Let You Go." I mean, and that's a quasi-ballad.
3: Yeah, I love that song. That's a good one. You know,
1: that—that's my my favorite fucking Quiet Riot song of all time, hands down. Uh, now, I I, think, I don't know, maybe because musically it's so unQuiet Riot. Yeah, it, it, is. Was, it is. It it was written by Carlos and. Uh, there's almost like a new wave might be pushing it, but you know what I mean? There's just something that's very 80s yet, you know, doesn't fit the rest of uh, Metal Health. But, I mean, that song to me is, you know, perfect, you know, but it's like that. And actually, if I had to pick my second, it'd be Love's a Bitch, which is, a, which is almost a ballad, you know, or I guess could be considered a ballad. Um, But yeah, I did not care for the new one. But based on you guys, I'll, I'll,
3: I'll give it another shot. Oh, you're going to hate it.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> all right. Well, now
1: it's time to get into the album that Mr. Curse has brought us all here for. And that is 1986 Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet, their third studio album. And. Uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, we've done a lot of fan episodes and we're still doing them. And a lot of them, man, I can't stand. I was hoping this one would be at least fun. I I knew I liked it, uh, but I was like, oh, God, there's so much, you know, shit to make fun of on this. It could be a fun episode, but, uh, you know, like like we do on, on every show. We got to get into, you know, how did you discover this band? You know, why why would you pick this album? Stephen, you're our special guest. Let us. How did you discover Bon Jovi? And why in the fuck did you pick this
2: album? (laughs) Um, Okay, so I think the first time I'd again I I mentioned earlier there was a magazine called Kerrang that used to come out all the time, and I remember they played a gig in London. Uh, the Dominion Theatre, small theatre there. And it, everybody was raving about it, all the reviews. And I thought, I've got... and again, you know, we don't hear the music back in those days, we just read about it. So I kind of, um, I was kind of keeping an eye on them, but not really knowing, not actually having heard the music. And then um, I got tickets to see Kiss um, on the Animal Eye store, uh, which was at 84. And it was the first time I was seeing Kiss. And Bon Jovi were opening for them. So, my, um, I went to a record store and they, uh, you know, they had like 12-inch singles and I usually, whenever I was going to see a band, if there was an opening band, I usually would buy like a 7-inch single or something so I knew a song, you know. And I got the "She Don't Know Me" um, 12-inch single and I sort of didn't really think much of it. It was whatever. And then um, I saw them that night uh, opening for Kiss and yeah, I thought they were pretty good. I enjoyed them. I remember. John Mudobi held out his microphone over the audience with the scars hanging and everybody just yanked the microphone into the into the st- into the <laughs> crowd and wouldn't give it back to him and he had to get another uh, mic stand or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah it was to stop him from singing. <laughs> yeah, well nobody again nobody really knew them. But I liked them and then after that I got the album, um, got into them. I got seven, I saw them a year later on the 7800 degrees Fahrenheit tour, which not a big fan of that album. Some decent songs on there. But then obviously, um, then came Slippery When Wet. I saw them, they played in Manchester that night and uh, on that tour. I happened to I met them the night before and the next day. And super cool guys, really like them. And uh, talked about Thin Lizzy with John Bondreau, basically it's pretty cool. And he told me that they were playing uh, Boys Back in Town that night. So yeah, I mean, that that's the first, that's when obviously at that point, Everybody knew Bon Jovi. I mean, you know, they were like, that's when, obviously when they really broke big and England really took to them and that's it. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, they were everywhere. You couldn't really get away from them, you know. And also in England, people were just, it was different, you know, it was American. We were looking... For the American things, you know, we were kind of right. What's going on over there? I think the same way a lot of Americans look at what's going on in England and Europe. So we kind of embraced that whole music and that whole—I don't know, whatever one you call it—hair metal, pop rock, whatever. It's all going crazy, and that's how I got into. And been a fan would ever since. Would you say this is your favorite band, Jeremy Um, it's not my most listened to. Let's put it that way. Um, I, okay. I, a lot of times I don't, I, I listen to a lot of music and I, I make playlists on my phone. So I'll do a Bon Jovi playlist, a Lizzie playlist. I don't really listen to albums as much anymore. So, but I mean, I, well, you'll hear what I think of the album, but um, I guess if I had to pinpoint I could only have one, probably would be this album, yeah. Oh,
1: interesting. All right. Chris and Zach, give us a little feedback on this.
4: Yeah, so it's it's cool that I wind up on this episode because Ian was talking about having me on anyway, and um, he was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, i got to find something that you guys hate because the most entertaining <laughs> ones are the ones that you guys don't like, um, especially Ralph, because it, Ralph Angry is just it's gold, podcast gold. But uh, for me, and I, I want to pick something I like, and I actually had the thought of Slippery When Wet, and then Ian goes, oh, well, Stephen Kirsch already paid for it, so perfect, we'll just put you guys together. And I was like, okay, cool, great minds think alike because I'm also a massive uh, Lizzie fan too. So um, we're we're kind of simpatico on that. But now for me, um, my brother, uh, I love him dearly. He's a great guy, but he uh, <clears throat> in our childhood he was always he would always kind of just follow the trends. Whatever was big at the time is what he would buy the records for. So um, "You Give Love a Bad Name" was was on all over MTV at the time, and he bought the cassette tape through Columbia House of this album. And, you know, he liked it for about three weeks, and then he moved on to something else. So I just inherited it from him. And I'm going in—this was right around the time I—you know, I was, what, 10, 11 years old when this came out? So um, this was around the time that, I, as a kid, I went from pop into rock stuff. So between Quiet Riots, you know, uh, Come on, Feel the Noise on MTV and Twisted Sisters videos— and then this, this was right around the time I really kind of got indoctrinated into hard rock music. So timeline is everything, as Ralph has said many times, and it, it was my age at the time. So I got into this album pretty hardcore at that time. But, yeah, it was all over MTV. and um, But I actually fell in love with a lot of the deep tracks on this record, many of which I still like <laughs> to this day, which I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for. So bring it, bring it on.
3: Oh, yeah, we will.
4: Okay. Oh,
1: yeah. All right, uh, I'll, I'll do mine. Uh, it, it's kind of similar uh, to your story, Chris. Uh, you know, 85 is really when I transitioned into
4: hard rock when and heavy When battle. you transitioned? Yes, yes, oh, when I identified.
3: Man. Oh, man. Ian, yeah. you, you became more attracted to me now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I identified as a hard rock fan, Uh you know, 80, it was all about kids. I mean, when Asylum came out, that was a game changer, a life changer. Uh, you know, went back, started checking out other, you know, hard rock and metal bands. Uh, but of course, you know, I was, you know, I think I'm only a year older than you, Chris. Uh, you know, it, it's what was on MTV. It was all, you know, Cinderella, Kiss, shit like that. And this came out and I, when I heard you give love a bad name, I was like, okay, that's cool. I liked it. <laughs> but I, I think the most important thing was at school, I went from being this weirdo that was listening to, you know, stuff that wasn't, you know, Madonna or whatever was top 40 at the time, Prince, Bruce Springsteen, stuff like that. You know, and, I, and I'm listening to metal and I'm buying, you know, I've got a Kiss Asylum shirt I'm wearing to school and all this stuff. I had a, I had a Cinderella t shirt I'm wearing to school, you know, and I'm this weirdo that's grown on his hair. And then Bon Jovi came out, and all of a sudden, the girls liked it too. So now I'm not so weird because girls like it too because this Bon Jovi kid is so goddamn cute. And, uh, you know, bought it on cassette. I was all about it. Um, but not as much as, like, the other stuff. But I think what attracted me the most is, like, this was something, like, like now it's acceptable. Now I'm not a freak. Because other people are, are digging this shit. And, you know, I, I got into it, but I didn't listen to it as much as everything else. You know, at this time, I'm buying, you know, Dio's Sacred Heart and Yngwie's Trilogy and I'm, I'm buying all you know like whatever's current at the time and it is on MTV or you know before even headbangers ball there was uh was metal mania you know and now I'm buying hit parader and it's it, it's what's and all that shit but it kind I of don't, I don't know it was like at the bottom but, like, I was part of it because I was like, yeah, see, the, this isn't, like, just freak music, you know? Everybody can get into it, and chicks, don't be scared that I like this shit or I'm throwing my hair out. But it just didn't stick with me. And I'll never forget, I've never i only bought two Bon Jovi albums in my life, like, physically bought. I bought this, and I bought New Jersey. <laughs> and, uh, man, when I bought New Jersey, I was like... Yeah, no, no, done, done, this is over. Because by then I'm already, I'm getting into like, you know, thrash bands and I'm going more into the history of metal and I'm buying, you know, older like Iron Maiden shit, you know, Black Sabbath and shit like that. And and Bon Jovi just did not fit in with that. I mean, at, at that point, Bon Jovi was right there with Richard Marks. And I, I think that's an accurate assessment. I mean... It's about the same heaviness level. Richard Marks, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi is not hard rock or heavy metal. It's it's pop music. Uh, and I got over this shit. Wait, I mean, let's put it this way. I bought the first three Poison albums. I only bought two Bon Jovi albums. <laughs> you know, that's how little uh, I, I think of Bon Jovi. But I did think that this was gonna be a fun review because there was like this hot minute where, okay, yeah, I think Bon Jovi, I'm into Bon Jovi. And I remember it was a big thing. Uh, God, I cannot remember who was the opening band, but it was the Slippery and Wet tour and Bon Jovi started headlining. And there was a lot of kids from school that were going to that tour. And it wasn't Skid Row because that was like the New Jersey tour, but there was something else. I don't know if it was Tesla or somebody else. I think, they didn't Cinderella? they tour with Rat?
3: I, I don't know. They they opened for Rat.
1: Yeah, 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 no, but this is like when they did a headlining tour for Slippery Room West.
3: I think it was Cinderella opening that tour. I think. Yeah, that's Rock what McGee managed them. Yeah,
1: that's what that's that's what it might have been. But that was a big thing, like the older kids in school, like kids with driver's license and like everybody was going to this show at the rosemont horizon in chicago and it was a big deal but i was you know I, of course i was like 12. You know, i was too young to go but uh you know it, it was it was a, it opened up a floodgate to where chicks were starting to get into this stuff and and if you wore a metal shirt a chick you wouldn't initially like say you're a scumbag or because you grew your hair out you know chicks loved Bon Jovi because he was like the David Cassidy of the fucking 80s no substance no true musical talent but God damn he was cute uh, but the music man it, as I got more and more into metal I'm like this is fucking trash you know this is garbage uh, but I still thought it would be a fun review we'll see uh how my opinions change when we get into it but Ralph, i know you you talked a lot about how uh a lot of people you grew up with kind of like you either took the bon jovi exit or you went the metal exit and you lost a lot of people because they went that way so you talk about and i should say this i've never heard bon jovi before uh, slippery and wet. I didn't know In and Out of Love or anything. But my first exposure to Bon Jovi was You Give Love a Bad Yeah,
3: yeah. Actually, did actually, do you know him before then? Oh yeah, no. I saw their first tour open for the Scorpions uh, on their first album. Um, and just to go back for a second, before I get into the Bon Jovi stuff, Bon Jovi was the catalyst of me not hanging out with all the people. I used to hang out with my friend yai who i'm still friends when i still love him dearly uh me and him discovered raven manowar all this shit together he you know he got the first metal massacre with metallica he was all metal with me you know until one day i go to his house and there was a show called radio 1990 on on the usa network and it was this blonde girl i mean she wasn't like hot hot but she was attractive uh, interviewing John Bon Jovi and my friend Yai goes, "Man, John looks better than her." And I was like, "I, I gotta go, dude." And you know, he was, he was into Bon Jovi. He was already getting into that, you know, the the softer shit. And and I was hanging out on the beach with the guys that like, you know, Merciful Fate and you know, Metallica and you know, the, the heavier stuff. And I stayed on the route that me and him started. You know, he was into Manowar and Raven and all that shit. And I stayed on that path and he did it. But anyways, all right, going back uh, to Bon Jovi. Um, I didn't, I knew the video for Runaway. Yeah, I didn't like it, but they opened for the Scorpion and I went in to watch him. And it was, it wasn't until I saw Van Hagar that I saw somebody that shitty. I mean, it was <laughs> terrible. And he was kissing up to the Miami audience, talking about the Dolphins and shit. This was 84, so I think the Dolphins were pretty good that year. And um, I think they made the Super Bowl. Anyway, so I was like, oh, man, it was terrible. So, And then, you know, my friend was telling me, "Nah, man, you got to hear the song Roulette off the first Bon Jovi album. So, yeah, I, I, I borrowed his album. I said, let me, let me borrow this Bon Jovi album. So I want to hear this Roulette song terrible i i I just didn't like it now bon jovi came back with rat as an opening act i didn't go in i was like nope i'm staying outside you know and i and i went and watched rat after bon jovi played now um let me talk about (laughs) here's the funny thing there are three bon jovi songs i like thanks to the people that asked me to do these suck versus suck albums on my YouTube page, I discovered, well, I discovered two, because one I've always liked. This is off the second album, 70 Degrees Fahrenheit," and I don't know why I like it, because it sounds like Bon Jovi. It's a typical Bon Jovi track, but I really like a song they have, and listen to the fucking title of this song, The Price of Love.
0: I love that <laughs> I love, love
3: it. it. I love it, but it sounds like Bon Jovi. It doesn't sound no different. But I don't know why I liked it. I was like, wow, that's good. I like the song, If I Was Your Mother. Yeah, that There's another fucking yeah, title. And, and, good
0: and, good and good. you know,
3: for my love for trannies, you can understand why I like that one. And here's the clencher. Oh, you guys are going to love this one. Because this is a popular one. I love Bed of Roses. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh! I love that fucking song, dude. Oh track by track and I'm listening to this shit, I was like, dude, this is really fucking good. Now and dude, that sounds like a Bon Jovi song, right? If I was your mother doesn't. That sounds that sounds pretty heavy actually. But yeah, that's the weird thing. But yeah, I I never after I heard that roulette thing, I gave the album back and I never looked into Bon Jovi. I heard the hits off this album and of course New Jersey and shit. And i never you know i just never supported him i never liked them but you know it's better than the cure uh, there is one thing i can say
0: oh! and better
3: than galactic cowboys no offense Chris and, and, um yeah You're not that bad. I, I'll, I'll i'll give them i'll give them that you know but but it's it's just not my thing man and i always said it man i mean if you know can you imagine lemmy singing these songs you think it would have topped the charts
4: lemmy singing bed of roses yeah, yeah. Lemmy me,
2: let me did uh, mention Bon Jovi in one of his songs.
3: Yeah, uh, going to Brazil, Angel, right? Angel City. Angel City, drink Bon Jovi's booze. The that's freak. what he said, right? Something like that?
4: Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but, bon uh,
3: yeah that, that you know, I'm, I've never been a fan, but, you know, he's a good guy, you know, he feeds the homeless, he builds houses for people in need of...
1: Oh, he's a piece of shit.
3: Nice. No, hey, I think I think I think as a human he's a good guy. I think as a musician, he's a piece of shit. Hey. Well, well,
1: well, well. What I what I do hate about Bon Jovi though is he's done a lot of shit for charity, and I I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Uh, there was a charity concert that was all about um, the victims of the Great White Fire. That concert and stuff. And D. Snyder, I believe, was setting it up. And the two people who turned it down was Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen. Because they said they did not want to be associated with a bunch of hair bands.
3: Well, that, that's how Bon Jovi is now, though. He doesn't... He oh, doesn't, oh, yeah. He doesn't even want to be associated with Slippery with Real what really. He's got to do the hair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he, he I was, know, but I, I thought that was so...
1: I, I lost... Well... Uh, Bruce Springsteen, I at least had respect for. You know, I had no respect for Bon Jovi. But w- when you you say you're one of those artists, like you know, you're all about the people and all this shit, and you turn down a charity event based on that, that that just shows me, no, you're thinking about you, and you're thinking about you know your stature and what people say about you. You're n- you're not thinking about helping people. You're you're thinking about helping people as long as it helps you. And you're stigmata. So I, I lost a lot of respect for the boss, and I well, I never had any for Bon Jovi, but yeah, fuck him for that.
3: No, and and, and the boss now is is selling his tickets for outrageous prices to go see him. Right. So uh, well, well, again, and like I said, I, well, I will give the boss a
1: little bit of leeway on that because that's the thing. You signed a contract with Live Nation live nation gives you set amount of money for your tour and then live nation can set whatever prices they deem Uh, but again I mean if you sign a contract like that you know you're leaving yourself up to that exactly I mean but I I mean Bruce Springsteen is, is much more I mean come on you know you're gonna get a lot more people to go see Bruce Springsteen than you are Bon Jovi but then again, Bon Jovi is one of the rare bands from that era that can still play arenas. So, the fuck Stadiums. do I? Yeah, yeah. But uh, and, and which is unbelievable if you've heard any recent live footage of Bon Jovi. I knew this Yeah. Oh no. Oh my God. That live footage of fucking John Bon Jovi makes David Lee Ross sound like Pavarotti. I mean, it's it's so bad, so bad. But anyway, uh, fuck it. Let's get into this goddamn album, because this episode's got to end at some time. Uh, Stephen Kirsch, my Hebrew homeboy,
2: why don't you take the opening track, Let It Rock? Okay, well, first of all, it starts off with a little Jewish tinkling on the, uh, on the ivory. Oh, you may. David Rashbaum, who decided... To not want everyone to know he was Jewish by, by the next start by Slippery, decided to change his name to David Bryan, but he's a Jew and he's playing, uh, he's playing Pink Flamingo, I think it's called the intro, which I, I never actually this song when I first got into the album I didn't like it I used to skip it it was I thought it was the weaker song on the album but over the years I actually love it and I think that intro is a really great intro I mean it's a I'm not into keyboards particularly like like that kind of style but I thought it was I just think it's really cool. Uh, great song. It goes straight into pretty much what you guys probably hate about Bon Jovi, which is all the woe woes and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so I would imagine you guys hate this uh, the second that the, it goes into the, the actual song. But it's a great song. It's a great opener. And um, yeah, I, I, I love this song. Uh, 10 out of 10. All right, Chris Senzek.
4: I, I kind of agree with, with Steven on this. I, 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 I'm not really a keyboard guy, and I, and I never have been, but um, for some reason, this album's kind of an exception for it. I think the keyboards work in the context of the song. I think it's a cool intro to the song. I do think the song does drag a bit. I mean, it, it is kind of samey as once it gets into things, but it's a good album opener. It's a good way to introduce you to the band. Um, it was kind of the entry way for me getting into gang vocals on songs, which I think is cool, but... Uh, um, I, Steve, I even like it when newer, I had like two songs on my best of 2022 list that had gang vocals in them and they were new songs. So, um, yeah, it's a dated thing, but I like it. And, um, but no, I, I, I don't know if I'd give it 10 out of 10, maybe eight out of 10, but, uh, Ralph, why don't you go ahead and pull your pants down and get ready to take a shit on this song?
3: Oh yeah. Long, shiny <laughs> keyboard solo <laughs> intro to the build up to the epic whoa, whoa song. So anthemic. So amazingly bad. It's embedded. (laughs) Even John Bon Jovi agrees, looking back on this. He's not proud of this shit. And I don't blame him, you know? Uh, Terrible. I don't like it. What do you think, Ian?
1: Okay, well, you know, first we we gotta talk about the intro. Holy shit. It's, It's like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 1986 Ice Capades. You know... Oh, the... Uh, my God, it, it's horrible. But then it leads in to the best goddamn Bon Jovi song I've ever heard in my life. I love this fucking song. Uh, this makes all other Bon Jovi songs uh, sound like shit. This is their, you know... Uh, cattle decapitation. <laughs> you know, this is how heavy this is compared to the rest of their catalog. That I've heard. That I've heard. But then again, I've got you know, uh, since I've talked about, Ralph, so we said timeline is everything. I'll never forget when this album was big. I went to the county fair in Kankakee County, Illinois. And I got on the tilt World. And I was so excited because I, was, I think I was like 12, 12 or 13. I'm dropped off at the fair. Okay, so you're there without your parents or grandparents or anything. And it's all about meeting girls and hooking up. And I, I get on the tilt-a-whirl, and this song starts blaring. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking around, you know, and you, you know, you're... Your little car is moving and you're looking at all the girls that are there and it kicked in and I fucking love this song. This is the the only Bon Jovi song I'll say. I absolutely love this fucking song. And you talk about the gang vocals. That should be forever noted as the Twisted Sister vocals. (laughs) I, I don't know if they invented it, but I think they perfected it. Um... But once you get past that horrible, horrible fucking guitar intro, uh, this song rocks and reminds me, most importantly, reminds me of 1986, 87. And anytime I hear this, I'm transported back to the fair to just that, that magic in the air of a kid all alone trying, you know, Hoping you can finger bang some chick, you know. Like you know, kiss is cool, but you really want a finger banger. Uh, this is some finger banging rock anthem right here. What's
3: your What's your thing about finger banging? You always talk about finger banging chicks. Because he's bigger than his dick. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, that makes sense. Oh, hey, I gotta tell you though before does you my talk- mom tell you everything. Hey, hey! hey uh, I gotta say, I may not like this song, but I am extremely attracted to all three of you now for liking it. We're <laughs> into trannies, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I love this fucking song, and I, you know, and I'm
3: ashamed to admit it,
1: but there's just something that, like, you know, the the kid in me, like the forever twelve year old that's just getting into hard rock. This. Even listening to it today, it's like, God damn it, I like this song, once you get past that intro. But, uh, fuck it, I'll go to the next song, which is, you know, probably their biggest song of all time, You Give Love a Bad Name. Listening to it today, a lot of questions. How did I ever like this shit? How did this ever pass for metal? How did Steven ever get a wife?
3: You know,
1: lot, <laughs> Oh, that's uh, fucked up, dude. <laughs> a, 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 a lot of questions. Uh, you know, and then it also makes me think, you know, we talk about albums on the show, and and you know, Ralph's like the Gaties. Yeah. You know, and, and then the 80s sucked, you know, 70s, so much better and stuff, you know, and I'm like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I love, love 1970s music. Not only, you know, hard rock, but pop music. I am a 70s music, you know, aficionado. You know, but I I feel the same way about the 80s. But the 80s, you know, there probably is a little bit more passion because that's where I grew up. Uh, You know, and, and so much stuff I love out of the 80s and so much shit I, you know, I admit I give a pass to because of timeline but listening to this song i started thinking maybe ralph is right <laughs> you know, maybe the 80s weren't as good as i remember because i'm listening to this i'm like this is shit this is shit now when it came out i love this song i'm not gonna not gonna sit here and deny it i love the song uh, but it has to me absolutely no staying power no uh you know, some shit holds up. Cream always rises to the top. To me, this is the shit when people make fun of the 80s like Ralph often does. Uh, I get it. Because this this is just bloated, uh, passe, fucking garbage. Uh, but, you know, when I was 12, it was all right. But listening to it as... as I don't even know if I'm an adult anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm borderline an old person. This shit sucks. This shit sucks. What do you think, Ralph?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I gotta agree with you. It's utter crap. And uh, but you know, I will say, I hear the hooks, and I can understand how people liked this back then, if they had a vagina. That's all I gotta say.
2: Hey, Bon Jovi got many vaginas for me.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. All right.
1: Well, well Speaking of vaginas, Steve, what do you think about this, huh? song? <laughs>
2: Well, first of all, I'm trying to calm the rage building up inside me um, from your reviews, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know what. I don't expect you guys to like this anyway, um, but I don't. I mean, I just like sing along songs, basically. I, to say that he's a crap songwriter and there's no talent is just mind boggling to me. Because um, just because you don't no, that, like, that's it, true. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean to say that he's not got the talent. I mean... Look,
3: look, 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 Stephen. I don't mean to cut you off here. I hear Hooks. I don't think he's the worst songwriter. I'm not saying he's... I don't like his songs, but I hear the appeal. I do hear it. So I'm well, just I'm, saying it's a shit song, but hey, yeah, the guy's got talent to write Hooks.
2: Okay, It's a shit song for you. I, I get that. Yeah, for me. For me. That's what right. I meant. So... And, and it's fine. I wouldn't think anything. I mean, listen, I listen to reviews of stuff. I check out a lot of reviews of, you know, some of the things that you've done. And when I'm listening along I'll, to the your podcast, I'll listen to some of the songs, having not known them. And I'm just like, what the fuck are they talking about? Because it's just crap for <laughs> me. So, um, but no, as far as this song, I mean, again, you have to remember at that time, I mean, MTV was in overdrive. These songs were all on rotation every day everywhere you went it was just you could not get away from it and at least i'm talking about in england and again in england this was huge over there because it was american so it was different for us you know we weren't you know it was just a and when i met when they were coming over from most american bands you know when if it was motley crookie cinderella whoever we just couldn't get the tickets fast enough we couldn't get the albums fast enough and um i know this song was just I love this song, I love the chorus, I love the guitar solo, it's one of the first guitar solos I ever learned to play and um, I just love everything about this song, I hadn't actually heard this album for a long time and when you told me the other week we were going to do it, I actually put it on and, and I forgot just how much I actually enjoyed it and this particular song, you know, it's one of those songs where if, let's say, you're a big Journey fan and you love Don't Stop Believing, you probably don't care if you never hear Don't Stop Believing again. It's the same with this song, really. I mean, I love it when I hear it, but if I didn't hear it again, it'd be fine. But it's still a classic song. It's got mass appeal. Um It's just, it's great to me. It's great storytelling, you know, <laughs> but it's great. I mean, not everything has to be, you know, Rush or, you know, Sabbath. I mean, it, it hits a certain demographic, a certain Person and, and and it's massive. It's just got mass appeal, and I think a lot of people don't like certain bands. I'm not talking about you guys, but a lot of people don't like certain bands because of the mass appeal that they reach. and They want to. Ha- it's like what? some people get mad when a band that they like suddenly gets big because they're not their band anymore. And uh, I think Bon Jovi are massive. They've always been massive. This song is just—it's—it's it's a classic Bon Jovi song. There's nothing not to like about it. Well,
3: in my opinion, I hated them before he was big. Let let me me, me
1: ask you this, Stephen, uh, because this is something that always kind of perplexed me and I didn't understand because I am a huge Anglophile. I love England. I love uh, British culture and everything. Uh, And you're saying the Brits, you know, kind of took to Bon Jovi. But one American band that famously didn't really translate well into England was Van Halen. Yeah, um, can 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 you describe like like what is it that like Brits could understand about Bon Jovi, but uh, you know they didn't get about Van Halen? Is it anti-Semitism? Is it because David Lee Roth is a Jew? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I think I think. Well, first of all, I got into Van Halen. The first thing I really knew about Van Halen was when Jump came out. I was fourteen, so I think a lot right. of it is, is, is a time period. See, all this kind of music uh, with, you know, I don't know Cinderella, and Bon Jovi, Skid Row, it was all mid-80s, right? When it really broke, 85, 86, 87. And that's right. when that fourth took off in England. And I feel that uh, Van Halen were just a little bit before that for England. So I know that they opened for Black Sabbath. Right. I can't imagine Sabbath fans at that time listening to Roth, thinking, what the hell is it? You know, that's the oddest tour that I could possibly... So- you know, so I think, so you, it's you more, think like, like
1: that, maybe it, it you think maybe like in the early 80s, like uh, Britons were kind of like, you know, they were all about the new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. And yeah. Van Halen was just like too American. But if Van Halen would have came out a few years later, they would have been more receptive.
2: Van Halen was just a completely different sound. I mean, going back, you know, you got Maiden starting, you know, their album came out in 80. you got Def Leppard, um, Saxon, all that, completely different sound. I mean, it was nothing like it That you know. Um, So when Van Halen breaking into that is is a completely different sound, but then around 85, 86, 87, that's when even British fans like, you know, Whitesnake, very British, the early stuff, very bluesy, whatever. Then they went into the Still of the Night and that whole thing. And, you know, it... British band started to take on that whole American uh, glam rock, you know, hair metal kind of thing. Actually, that's when I, I don't like the British versions of the glam rock kind of, you know, uh, hair metal kind of thing back then. It was more because everybody was trying to do it back then because, every, you know, Bon Jovi was so successful. Everyone was jumping You mean down like down Thunder? You. Thunder were never, never. Uh, the first album... <laughs> Don't get me started on Thunder. They're my one favorite band. <laughs> I know I'm fucking with you. They're, they're, they're nothing like you wouldn't. No, dude, you obviously. I mean, everyone knows Thunder with Dirty Love, and that's it. But their other albums are just whatever, different different thing. But they um. But I don't know Van Halen. Eighty four was when I got into them, and that's why. And I know you hate you know Van Hagar, but that's also why there was so big. Van Hagar was so big because when was that? When did when was the when was fifty one fifty? 86 right yeah that was right slap bang in the middle of all this kind of stuff so that's why it was that... so popular i i don't have a problem with van hagar i'm not particularly a huge fan of them but obviously i love that the roth era that's just classic but at the time that was like that was thing that was you know they were jumping on a bandwagon too
1: yeah i get it senzak what do you think of uh you give love a bad name
4: well, I mean, it, it, this is the first uh, time that uh, Desmond Child pops up on the album, which he will three more times. And, I, you, you know, he was brought in uh, through the connection with, uh, who's that guy that uh, sings for that band that wears makeup, Ralph?
3: Um, I forgot. Paul Stanley. King oh, yeah. Paul Stanley of <laughs> Kef. Yeah,
4: I knew I'd get him to say it at some point. Um, But, no, it. Desmond Child was uh, was brought in because he worked with Paul Stanley on I Was Made for Loving You, and then he connected them, him to Paul Stanley or to uh, Bon Jovi. And this was one of the first songs they wrote together. But I got to wonder how much of this song is Desmond Child and how much of it is really John and Richie. But um, no, I think it's, you guys may not like it, but uh, I agree with Steven. And, and you can't say this song doesn't have staying power. I mean, this song still, if you, this song pops up, in a grocery store or something i mean people know what it is it's 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 a well-crafted pop rock song so i i love the main riff on it i i love the chorus on it um i don't like steven i don't need to hear it again i've heard it a billion times but no i think it, i think it's a great song
3: you know i gotta I got say i agree with you though i do agree with you guys where it's a a pop catchy tune it is yeah. it's just i don't like it i just You know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, catchy stuff that I don't... Look, uh, I thought uh, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch was catchy. But I hate that shit. Catchy like
4: syphilis. I
2: hate Marky Mark, but that shit was catchy. But you know what, guys? You guys are huge. Forgetting all the controversy with Kiss. The early Kiss and whatever. What's so different between some of the Kiss... Look, you love Asylum, Ian. I mean, it's not exactly that far removed from... Bon it's what's, uh, well, no, why do
1: I, know? I, I will say it's heavier but I've, I've said all along like to me Kiss is, is not far removed from Poison at all with the fuck me suck me lyrics and, and the fucking easy musicality that anybody could play uh, I, I agree with that uh,
3: 100% I love Asylum I just hate the singles I mean I, I did like uh, All Night Cause it's so bad, it's great, but I can't stand Tears Are Falling. I can't stand who wants to be lonely. But I, you know, I, I love um, a secretly cruel, and I don't hear no Bon Jovi in that, or or loves a deadly weapon, or King of the Mountain, or any way you slice it. But Bon Jovi yeah. is
2: more in the in the in the Paul Stanley realm.
3: Yeah, like Tears Are Falling.
1: Well,
2: yeah. well I I I I think Bon is more
1: in the Brian Adams realm. And lover boy, no,
2: but my point is, you, you know? love tears of falling. I mean, it is not that far away, love it, love know. it. Yeah,
3: and love I gotta got agree with you, Stephen. I mean, that is total Bon Jovi tears of falling. I, I agree with you, no,
2: I, that, but that's better. why it, it's crazy that Ian is so against Bon Jovi, but, but better, <laughs> better.
4: <laughs> Snowbang Tango.
1: <laughs> All,
4: right. <laughs> All right, Chris Sinzak, why don't you
1: take living on a prayer?
4: It's funny that Ian brings up uh, Loverboy. Did you know? Did you guys know that Mike Reno sings backup on this song?
1: No. Nope. Yes. Nope. Yes. He does. Well, yeah. well there, there's the Bruce Fairburn connection.
4: Yeah. Bruce Fairburn Bob,
1: produced this, and he produced uh, Loverboy.
4: And Bob Rock was an engineer on this record, so he didn't only uh, ruin Metallica. He did this, too. Um, but no... <laughs> Um, but no, I, this is a, and I, we interviewed, I was lucky enough to enter, not to pull an Eddie trunk, but we were lucky enough to interview Eddie, um, Desmond child a couple of years ago. And he kind of told us the story behind this song and, and then played us the demo of it before he even met John and Richie. And this song is way more of a Desmond child song than a Bon Jovi song. Um, most of it was already done before he met the guys, but they did a great job with it. And I also read that the guys in the band didn't want to put this on the record or but John didn't want to put this on the record he didn't think it was good enough and then richie convinced him to do it but i would say this is their signature song and it was all over mtv um i still have memories of it being played like every hour on the hour uh no i it's it's a great song it's a incredibly catchy well-written song it has a good story about it you know a couple trying to fight against the odds and all that stuff and I think it's cool. I don't. I really don't have any complaints about this song. I don't need to hear it again just because it's played to fuck death. But, um but no, it, I think it's great. Uh, what do you think, Stephen?
2: Uh, again, I, I love it. Uh, same thing you said. The storylines, right? It's very shades of uh, Springsteen in, in storyline and storytelling. There's no doubt that Bon Jovi's heavily influenced by Springsteen. But um, it's a great song. I a billion streams it got on Spotify. He just got an award for this song. A billion streams. But Ian's going to say it sucks. But it's a billion streams. <laughs> so um, It's a great song. I mean, again, it's, it's everybody knows it. My fucking grandma knows the song. Everybody knows the song. I think that's what pisses people off uh, that aren't on Joby fans. But, you know, again, it, it's, it's just a brilliant song. I love the, the, the chorus in it uh the video at the time again that was another thing i had a vhs cassette that came out and it was all the video from this from this album and we just couldn't get away from it i even bought the tassel leather jacket that he wore (laughs) in that video at the time oh wow Um, (laughs) i know um but yeah it's a brilliant brilliant song and the acoustic version that they do of it is is also amazing and and i think the acoustic version people don't mention this a lot about Bon Jovi but I think Richie Sambora has an amazing voice way better than Bon Jovi's Um, and on the acoustic versions you can really really um, hear him but yeah great song I'm sure you hate it but brilliant song
1: yeah I hate it Uh, I hate this song Uh, remember when Talkbox was cool Uh, I think this is what killed Peter Frampton (laughs) <laughs> or at least his career, because you know I I hear talk box. I think you know Peter Frampton or fucking Aerosmith, and and then you have this shit. To me, this song sounds like what John Bon Jovi's voice sounds like now. Uh, absolutely horrible. Uh, I do see, you know, you guys talk about a connection about Bon Jovi being inspired by Springsteen. Um and I get that to a point where he likes to write a lot of songs about the common man, um, but to me it sounds like like a little kid trying to do Bruce Springsteen or what it, it. It's so it's so ABC and basic. It's it's just retarded. Um, you know, living on a prayer. I hope both these kids die in this story. Uh, <laughs> It's it's just like this is one of those even when this was popular, this was like you know this is the song you know I skipped like oh no come on come on play Let It Rock or you I you know I'd rather hear you give love a bad name over this one. Um, this to me has nothing to it's just it's just a pop song, but to me a very boring and pondering and and silly by the numbers pop song does absolutely nothing for me. What do you think, Ralph?
3: Uh, it's catchy. Like Monkeypox. <laughs> it's terrible. But you know what, when I listened to the this song and I was listening to it today, I was like these lyrics are like really ripped off from Top of the World from Cheap Trick. Because Top of the World which is a far superior song, uh has the same kind of message like, you know, a couple trying to make it she got religion and she got a god it's on her back and it's in his job it's it's the same type of (coughs) that they do on this uh unfortunately top of the world wasn't a single or else it would have been huge uh this is top of the world part two but it's it and i do hear the hooks i hear the catchiness like i hear it on marky mark you know it just does nothing for me but I understand why it was a hit. It came out at the right time, and uh, you know chicks dig this shit, man. But I don't, man. I I just don't like it, and I don't like, uh, you know, I don't like the woes. I, I hate woes, man. I can't stand <laughs> woes, and there's a lot of woes in this one, and uh, it, it's horrible. All right, what's what's the next one? Um,
2: social disease. Social disease.
3: Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this fuck one thing i hate more than instruments you blow into are fake instruments that you blow into you know it's like trying to be bad aerosmith but failed and makes bad aerosmith sound somewhat okay terrible social come on you guys can't possibly like this
4: <laughs>
3: oh, Chris, there's no there's no catchiness to
4: this either. I like the song. <laughs> oh, on, oh, oh <laughs> okay,
1: okay, okay, okay. Sinzak, so, you go next. Defend this shit.
4: Look, I'm not I'm not in front of a jury here. I mean, you guys can hate it if you like. I I think it's a just a cool rock song. I don't like the fake horns. The keyboard horns does is annoying. Um, the because uh, I always I'm always well read on this shit when I come on the show. Um. This song actually was going to be on uh, an Aerosmith record. It was offered to them, but John and Richie did, told Desmond Child that they would keep it. Um, but it was Aerosmith almost recorded this song, and it actually does sound like an Aerosmith song to me. But uh, I don't like the keyboard horns, but I don't know. I think it's a clever song because I have clever lyrics on it. You know, loves a social disease. Oh! What's wrong with it? I don't know. Oh, go, cle- go ahead Clever again.
1: lyrics? Cle- okay, okay. All right. Holy shit.
4: What what an intro Oh, uh
0: You done already?
4: Uh Oh I don't oh, like the intro, I never said I like that. Oh part. my god, and those
1: fucking horns are you know, are almost as bad as the lyrics. How did this make it past a demo? That's what I really don't get, man. This is these lyrics are fucking submaronic. I mean, oh my god. I, I think Steve Rochelle would turn these down and say, no, that's not tough enough for a tough song. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is so, so bad. And and what boggles my mind is, well, I guess it shouldn't boggle my mind. This album sold 12 million copies in the U.S. alone. I will give that a pass on the strength of this, the singles and and how good they did and and how they you know cross boundaries and genres and stuff like that but social disease really i mean this is one of the songs where i'm thinking like you guys like even the defenders you and steve i'm like there's no way you're going to be able to like okay this holds up or you know or yeah yeah this is a this is a slamming track i thought there was no way either one of you would defend this shit it is that bad it, it's that stupid that I mean this shit makes poison sound like goddamn dream theater you know oh my god this, there, there there's no no defense of this I think maybe Steven Kirsch has another idea but I, I got a feeling even Steven Kirsch is gonna be like ah, oh, this is the one where I'm like yeah no
2: pass I don't know what do you think Steven Uh, I do like it, but it is—it's the weakest weakest song on the album. There's no doubt for me. There's no doubt about it. It's—it's. I think it does. It's a bit cheesy, but—and actually, there are times when if I'm kind of flipping through the album, I will skip this song. But I do like it, so I'm not going to say I don't like it. I'll listen to it. Um, But uh, definitely the weakest song on the album, and um, I don't even think they have played this live for a long or ever actually, but. uh, no, I, I I still like it. Listen, it's still better than uh, a lot of kiss slot that you like. Well, so. oh. I gotta,
4: I have to reevaluate my life now because I like this song more than the guy who bought the fringe jacket that John wore in the video.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. well, well, I, I, I gotta, I gotta ask Stephen here though before we go on to the next song. Give me, give me a kiss song you think is worse than Social Disease.
2: Oh, that's pretty easy. Um... Maybe let me see. Let me think of. Uh, yeah, give me,
1: give, give me three, give me three kiss songs that are worse than social disease. And I'm not a kiss defender, so shit. Right, uh, I, I would say I do it,
3: and I love kiss. King Ten. of the Mountain. Oh.
2: What? I sure. would agree with <laughs> that. I love that one. Uh, love uh, burn, that. bitch, burn. Maybe is another one. What? Murder in High I mean, I could go on. Anything from The Elder. I mean, bang, bang, bang you. Hey, yeah, bang, bang, you. My way, my way's worse than this shit. Uh, I mean, uh, oh, don't. I don't know. I know great expectations. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, I, right.
3: you know, look, look. I agree, and I'm a big Kiss fan. Great expectation, my way, burn, bitch, burn. All that shit's worse than this. And but I'm not defending this song. Don't really. Me. W- yeah. W- do worse, like I, I mean, don't get me wrong.
1: I agree. Those. Well, I, I, I love Kingdom but, but Ian, You know. Ian, Ian let me I put it into
2: perspective. Ian, let me put it into perspective. My favorite Kiss album, or at least my most listened to Kiss album, I would say, is Unmasked. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know how much you want to Yeah. Well. Money.
1: Well. I I gotta say once again, Chris Sinzak is right. Being Jewish is the tenth
2: worst thing that's wrong about you. <laughs> Um, you know what, Unmasked is just a, great pop, a great pop
1: album. That's right. hey, hey, I like Unmasked more than a lot of people. I, I admit that. Okay. I hate that album. Too, Holy man. shit. All right. Well, uh, oh, fuck, God damn. I'm, I'm so, I don't know what to do here. Um, uh, Steven, why don't you take one Dead or Alive last song on side one?
2: Uh, again, just another classic. Um, at the time for us, again, vi- again the video was a whole. Is this the video with um, like when the touring and the on the tour bus, black and white? Yeah, yeah,
1: because touring so hard when you're a good-looking band, it's rough.
2: Yeah, <laughs> well, um, yeah. Now, again, for, I'm talking as a as a Brit. Uh, you know, at that time, that was kind of new for us. It was for me. We, I didn't have, you know, look. I grew up listening to Lizzie and Queen and. You know, stuff like that. And th- there was nothing like this at the time, you know, for me at the time. So it was new. Well, 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 uh, this is something I want to point out. I, and I'm sorry, I, I don't mean to cut your review of the
1: song off, but I'm good. Yes, you do. Yeah. Uh, it's a brilliant, a brilliant Steve, song. So that's my review, but go on. Steve, Steve you are a major fan yeah. of Mr. Phil and, it and Thin Lizzy. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will give to, and you're you're a much bigger fan than I am. Well I do love that band, you're much huger fan. One thing I will give to Phil and Thin Lizzy is everything that man sang you believed. Yeah. And you felt. I don't feel even Thin Lizzy songs I don't like. I don't think are phoned in. You know whether they rise to the cream or not. That man was legit and heartfelt. When he sang a ballad, it tore your fucking heart out. Mm-hmm. You
2: know, when he sang an epic tale, you felt like you were there. I didn't believe Boogie Woogie Dance though when he sang that.
1: Oh really? I fell for that one.
2: <laughs> um, but you know you know you know what I mean? You yeah. hold in such high
1: esteem, one of the men who I, I think is one of the greatest songwriters and storytellers of all time. Yeah, he he really is. Then Lizzie, you just feel in your heart, mm-hmm. and, and and it just it resonates. Where this shit is so planned, I don't buy one line of this fucking shit. You don't I've have not, to. You don't have to. I just like I, I know, you. but what I'm saying is, it, it, I I I know, but it just seems it it, it perplexes me. That because, you know, because that, that that is your favorite band, but something like this that you could, you know, that that's like okay. I I, I love cock rock. I love sex rock. You know, I love quintessentially what is Van Halen. I I, stand I by so that. that 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 I think Van Halen created yeah. cock rock. You know, but you know that would be like saying tough. Is in the same league as Van Halen. Wait, it's you same know, bon Jovi.
2: You're making a you know, thing though, you don't have to compare everything. I love Lizzie, they're on a different planet for me, Lizzie. But Bon Jovi, I, I love Bon Jovi, but I, I'm not saying that he's the greatest lyricist or the greatest singer. I just love the songs for what they are. That's all. I'm you know, they're not m- amazing musicians, they're not the greatest at what they do. I just like the songs. It doesn't have to be any deeper meaning.
3: Okay, my bad. Uh, I agree with Steven, man, 100%. Man, love it, man. Love it all you want. It's all right, man. I don't give a fuck if you like this or not. You shouldn't give a fuck if I hate it. You know what I mean?
2: I don't. I mean, look, you guys into, you know, thrash and all that. I like some stuff. Some of the stuff I've tried to listen to on your reviews, you know, and I, I, I can't get past it. But that doesn't mean to say that you don't think it's amazing. Yeah,
3: I, exactly. I like it. Exactly. It, you know, it's like a liver. Some people like it. It's the liver. Some people don't. I feel it's not... there's a lot of
2: elitism in, in, in rock music. Well. Yeah, you're
3: right. You're right. You're, you're 100% right. And I suffer. Yes. Yeah. I suffer from it with the metal people I hang out with that hate Ghost, that hate Metallica, that hate all this shit, and Pantera. I hate it. I, I hear it all the fucking time. And I'm like, I never want to be like these people. So, if you like Bon Jovi, more power to you. I'm not. When I bash on Bon Jovi, I and here I go again, Ian. This is where me and Ian are different. I hate bands, not fans. Oh, I hate that. I hate that shit.
4: Ian hates. Ian hates you and me, Stephen. That's what he's
3: saying. Ian, he not want Sammy Hagar fans to die. Yeah, w- much worse than Sammy.
1: I mean, Sammy can't help. You're given talent or you're not. Well, listen.
2: This, Ian, Ian, Sammy Hagar's just trying to make a buck. Ian, you know, I'm going to okay, wind you okay. up it more, even more, In I saw Bon Jovi on the These Days tour, I think it was, yeah. with yeah. Van Halen opening for them.
3: Yeah, well, that was Van Halen. Well, well, well no,
2: no,
1: no, no, that's appropriate. That, that That's appropriate. Van Hagar deserved
3: to open up for Bon Jovi. I, I, <laughs> that makes sense to me. And Van yeah. Hagar is worse yes. than Bon Jovi, I'll give you that.
1: Yeah, and, yeah,
3: and yeah. Because yeah.
1: sort of so. at least Bon Jovi's doing the best he can. Van Halen <laughs> was capable of a lot more, but they chose to settle for Sammy. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a gatekeeper. I guess that's what the kids call it now. I'm a gatekeeper of what's cool. But uh, I, I I know what's right. Yeah. And I know what's wrong.
4: It, it, if you don't like Bang Tango, you're on Ian's shit list. <laughs>
1: and, and One that. song. <laughs> One song. It's a very, well-written a be bear, very well written song. One song. It's a. It's It's a. Well, you're, well, you're absolutely right there because I don't know any other Bang Tango songs. Well, let's I do not. Let's not let's I I know two Bang Tango songs. Bullshit! I, when I, I visited you in New Orleans.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you had a whole shrine to Joe yeah. stay in your bedroom. Yeah. Don't lie.
2: I, 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 and I, I've met that guy. Um, I've seen your bang tango tattoo next to your lemon.
3: Shut the fuck up.
2: Um, let's not
3: uh, forget "Without You" by Motley Crue. I, that's a goddamn good ballad. Right. I, 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 don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I have no fucking idea.
1: Okay, somebody else take one of alive. This is going
4: to turn into the Creatures of the Night episode all over again. Oh, just yeah.
3: yeah, let's finish this before that happens. Oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> all right, wanted dead or all high. right, all right. Some, I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, it's okay. impossible to escape this song, even today. You, it's playing everywhere at supermarkets, dentist's office, elevators, glory holes. I mean, how big would this <laughs> song be if Udo Dirkschneider <laughs> sang it? You know, it would never. It would not. Never hit the charts. It would ruin its sub career. But you get this poofy hair pretty boy singing about seeing a million cocks and suck them all, and it becomes huge. That's what I think.
1: All right, uh, Sinzak, take this one.
4: I liked it back in the day when it was new. Um, I remember being able to impress a couple of girls by being able to play the intro part on the guitar. Um, but this one, this one, I, I don't. I never go back to the song anymore. Um, I. I get its appeal to people, but I don't know. It just comes off like Bon Jovi wanting to be country, I guess. And that's why I never like Blaze of Glory either. But uh, Blaze of Glory, Hull, that's funny. Um, but uh, no, I it, this one doesn't do a lot. It's funny. I like Social Disease better than this song.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I'm worse than you because I like Blaze of Glory better than this song. I don't mind Blaze of Glory. Jeff, I've back on the issues.
4: guitar solo, rest in peace.
1: Yeah. There you go. Uh, I will say this song is trendsetting. Uh, it made gay cowboys cool long before Brokeback Mountain. Um, I can't get yeah. you, Richie.
2: Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> hey, is, hey, uh, I,
3: I, hey, that's a great line, Ian. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I, I, guess,
1: I guess life on the road is even harder if your band sucks.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: because it's just, oh, oh, wah, I'm on the cover of Tiger Beat, and I'm banging all these chicks, but wah, life is hard, because I'm opening up for a rat and getting blown off the stage. Um, oh, my God. Uh, just just a horrible song. Again, well, I will say something like what Ralph said. I can see the appeal. This song is so Vanilla, so like blase, that I can see soccer moms and bargain basement bitches getting into this shit. Uh, But he hit on another important point. If an ugly man sang this song, nobody would give a shit. But a pretty boy sang about how rough it is out on the road and on a steel horse I ride. This motherfucker probably rides a Honda Goldwing, okay? He's not on a fucking Harley. He's on that Honda Goldwing with the headset. <laughs> oh my God! What, what what a what a fucking cheesy fucking wham wham song! And th- there's been so many good songs written about life on the road and what it's like for a band. This is not one of them. But it's catchy and a pretty boy singing. I I, I mean, if you like this. I'm not going to change your mind. If you hate it, you agree with everything I fucking said. It's fucking Wanted Dead or Alive. It is huge. Can't deny. Can't deny it's one of the most popular songs, but what a pizza shit. Uh, All right, I'll flip this motherfucking album over. And, whoo, boy. (laughs) If you thought the first side sucked, what'd you get in the second one with none of the hits? Holy Masticholi. Uh The first song is Raise Your Hands. Uh, I can't remember if this sounds like it was on Kilroy Was Here or the second Vinnie Vincent album. How can this shit be defended? What a horrible, horrible fucking retarded song. I, I mean, even for the mid-80s, when a lot of songs were, you know, lyrically retarded musically uncomplicated this is a really this is like twisted sister would call this an underdeveloped song this is very very bad i cannot stand and there's no redeeming factor to raise your hands what do you think ralph
3: oh man you know what i used to date this girl back in the day that had this 45 of living on a prayer or bad name one of the two and this was the B-side. And I remember hearing this back then. I was like, God damn, man. I didn't like it back then, but hearing it today, this shit is aged like milk. It's it's, like, <laughs> it's it's worse than I remember, man. It's like, damn, I thought it sucked back then. This shit sounds even worse now, man. That's what I think of Razor Hand. By the way, it's in Spaceballs.
2: Uh, this song and this album has aged like Jon jo- Bon Jovi's fine wine. You know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this song. It's a great song. It's a, uh, it's a fun every song. Is it. It's a fun song. It's um, I love it. it. Just gets it's a it was a good live song. I mean, I've seen them live about six times. I've definitely seen them do this song. And
3: uh, what? Yeah, I, wait, man, wait, 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 I, wait! I, wait, they what?
2: did this. I'm pretty sure I've heard this live. Like, um, bit, might have been on the Slippery Tour, but uh, long t- it's a great live song. It's got the whole vibe for, you know, he's he's name-calling, you know, all the different towns and cities and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and,
1: uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, it,
2: it's name-calling. All you dumb fucks
1: in the back, sing along. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you mean, like, um, I don't know, like, any Kiss song or, I mean, come on, man. Everything, everything that you're calling out Bon Jovi for can be thrown back about most fans at some point, um, at least at yes. least.
3: Steve, Steve, Steven's got a point, man, because timeline's everything, like Chris says that I say. Dude, when I listen to Take Me from Kiss, <laughs> put your hand in my pocket, grab onto my rocket, I love that shit, and it's so stupid.
2: You know, but if, I they brought, it. if they brought it out now, would you be like, this is ridiculous? Yes, I would. Right, Right. in timeline,
1: exactly. Yeah, timeline. It's timeline. All right, Right. raise
4: your hands. Rock. Sensak, what do you think? Uh, geography rocks. It's my favorite song about city names. Um, (laughs) it's it's okay. Um, this out this song has not aged well. Um, when you listen to it, it sounds straight up like nineteen eighty six. It's dated. It's cheesy. But at the same time, I love the main riff on it, and I never skip the song, so I like the song. But even it is incredibly dated.
1: All right. Well, while you're right there, while you're stuck on the oven <laughs> and it's hot, take the next song. Without love,
4: didn't like it then. Don't like it now. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I think this song's pretty bad. And I'm a ballads guy too. I usually like the ballad stuff, but this. This is a little too far into the pop territory for me. This could have been this could have been on the top 40 pop charts. Um, it's not not that it's a poorly crafted song. I think it fits fine for that era, but uh, a definite skipper for me every time I've put this album on. What do you think? Right. Uh, what let, let, let me get the contrast. Steven, you like the song, right?
2: I love this song, yeah. What can I I tell you? I love this album, man. What What was I supposed to say? It's a great song. I love it.
1: Uh, Oh, but that—that's all you got. Okay, I'll I'll go next. Uh, Good God, is this honeymoon sweet? What's wrong with honeymoon sweet? Exactly. Uh, This makes Jonathan Cain era Journey sound like Burzum.
4: There's a picture.
1: <laughs> this, this, this is horrible. This, I mean, this is like really bad. One thing, like, when Ralph and I have done the poison reviews, now granted, we take LSD when we review a poison <laughs> review. <laughs> But, god damn it, it, it's fun, and there's something to laugh at. You know, there's like the, the so bad it's good element of it. Um, this is just like really, really fucking bad and it boggles my mind that that this has sold so many fucking albums and I can see where maybe certain songs, don't get me wrong I can see where the hits you know, the, the singles would sell that much but I think this would be one I, I mean, I can't think and I don't know a lot of the albums that are over what in the US we call diamonds And Diamond is when you sell over 10 million copies. This is sold 12 million copies. Uh, Usually, there's some kind of factor that you can say, like, I get it. Okay, might not be in my wheelhouse, might not be my bag, but I can see the appeal uh, track for track. This is kind of, uh, you know, a really good album. I don't think there's any album that's diamond that is as shitty as this. And I'm talking about you, Hysteria. I think Hysteria is better than this fucking album. And I hate that fucking shit. Um, Yeah, really bad. What do you think, Ralph?
3: Well, I don't know. Some of you don't know this, obviously, because none of you brought this up while talking about this song. This year, when this album came out, Led Zeppelin was going to get back together. And they heard this song. And they go, "Oh shit, we can't better this." And uh, and and they stopped. They they didn't they didn't get back together because this is the greatest song known to man. <laughs> All right, I'll take the next one. I I die for you. Then do it. <laughs> That's my review of that one. <laughs>
1: Oh, God. All right. I'll I'll take out Die for you. Um, The fuck (laughs) is what I wrote for this. Uh, I'm going to go on record right here, right now, in front of everybody. Uh, Poison owns Bon Jovi. Poison is a better band than Bon Jovi.
3: Well, they're funnier.
1: Yes, they're funnier. (laughs) I think they write catchier songs. And if you're aiming at the bottom of the barrel, uh, they they achieve it so much better, you know. And, and I got to say, Brett's a little bit better looking than Bon Jovi.
4: Um, <laughs> Ralph, and, what do you think? In, you know, um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, okay, CC's no Richie Sambora. You know, he's a good looking wop with uh, supposedly as a horse cock but uh I don't know hey, you know hearing shit like this the, I really I did I stopped and think about it and I'm like poison's better than Bon Jovi you know even a, even a poison song would be better than this it would be there, there there'd be like a so much you know it it, it it sucks so bad but at least it's funny you know there there would have been like a little yeah. You know, or jump the back seat, you know, and take it outside. You know, they would have added something that would have elevated this song, but Bon Jovi can't do that. They're like, No, I'm John Bon Jovi, and I approve this message. <laughs> you know, bitch, this is I die for you. This shit sucks. It's fucking horrible, poison for the wind. A terrible song. What do you think, Stephen Kirsch? <sighs>
2: You know I love it, and um, it—I I don't it, it's all in context of the album. I mean, uh, the whole album, that whole—it's again, it's a whole timepiece. the whole, time whole nineteen eighty-six. This is what it was all about. But uh, I do love this song, and uh, I had it really? on. The other day. I was listening. To, yeah, I know, shocking. right? Um, <laughs> <You're talking laughs> I had it on the other day, and I am driving around, and I am singing it top of my voice in the car, and uh, yeah, it's fucking great. I—I don't know, you guys have this. No, Ian actually. Has this fixation okay. with John Bon Jovi. And like, I, I don't believe that they got where they are purely because of the looks. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it, you know, if uh, Udo. Really? Yeah, no, I, it helped because of the videos and MTV and all that. And that, that again, it's all to do with timeline. But he has to be a good, you know, again, I'm talking in general. The album, you keep saying, how did this album sell? There's so many monster songs on this, this album. And well no, like, oh, oh well, I, I
1: I agree there there are some monster songs on this that I agree. I I, I you give love a bad name, Living on a prayer, Wanna Dead or Alive. Okay. I agree. I may not like those, but much like Ralph said, I see the appeal. But when it comes to something like this, I I mean is there a song on this I mean but it's filler. You, it's filler. Just, There's no doubt it's filler. You, you can tell you can tell me. I won't tell the rest of the audience. Is there a song I hear you don't
3: like? <laughs> yeah, I'll edit it out.
2: All right. I don't know. These, um, there are songs that are not as good as others, but like any album, I, you know, and the, these last few songs, uh, you know, this one, whatever, social, they're lesser songs compared, compared to the others. But as a whole, I can listen to this album all the way through and just uh-huh. love
1: it. Okay. That's all right. right. I still love you.
2: <laughs> I know you do. We shut oh, up. We shut up. I've seen that Oh my god.
1: Sidzak, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of uh, "I'll Die for You"?
4: Um, I think guitar-wise, I think it's the best riff on the whole record. I think it's a, I think it's a great guitar riff. I like, I like this song. I now lyrically, it doesn't have the razzmatazz of Brett Michaels, of course, but. It's uh it, it's pretty good. I don't, I don't I don't mind this song at all. I saw a cover band play it a couple years ago and the crowd went pretty crazy. And most of the crowd was in their 60s, but you know, let's uh let's take what we can get here. But now I like it. I think now side 2 is definitely worse than side 1 on this record. So this is probably my favorite song on side 2 because it de- for me it definitely goes downhill from here on.
1: Wow, you you like this better than Wild in the Streets?
4: Okay, <laughs> I have thoughts on wild in the streets. <laughs>
1: all right, all right, all right, Chris, you're you, you're still up on the mic. Take "Never Say Goodbye."
4: Not a great ballad. Um, made for uh, made for high school graduations in the '80s is what it sounds like to me. I think Justin's could have sponsored this song. Uh, it's. There's nothing special about this song, and I didn't really like it back in the day. Like I said, most of side one, I like. Mo- I like pretty much every song. I like a few songs on side two, but uh, you know, this is not a great ballad, and I don't think it's memorable. And uh, I'm sticking to my story, Ralph. I know you love this song.
3: Oh yeah, Are you kidding me? This uh, this broke up uh, Led Zeppelin <laughs> again. They heard this.
4: John Bonham uh, decided not to come back from the Yeah, dead. no,
3: he said, "I'm going to remain dead." <laughs> this is too good uh, The token power ballad This gives power ballads a bad name Bad name uh, And you know <laughs> And I saw I did not know this And I found out today There's a video for this Did they really? show this on MTV back then? I don't remember Yes,
4: yes I have I, no I memory of this. that
3: Yeah I, I saw And, and boy it's, John, it's black and white yeah, John's hair is extra poofy on that, that video. And 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 in this song, he says, you lost more than that in my back seat in my car. And I'm like, dude, you're going to throw that in a power ballad? Say that? You know, it's like, you know, it, you think about it. At the time, Doc McGee was their manager, and Doc McGee managed uh, Motley Crue. So he was like, hey, you, you got to do sleazy stuff. Like on that second album where he's like, Uh, In and Out of Love, he's like, you want me to eat your what? Your dad is who? And then Doc's (laughs) Doc's like, hey, man, you got to do something sleazy and that never say goodbye. He goes, okay, I'll say, you want me to eat your what? He goes, no, no, you already said that. Try something else. Like, okay, how about you lost your virginity in the backseat of my car? (laughs) Yeah, that works. Yeah, that's my review on this one. Uh, All right, Steven?
2: <laughs> and this, uh, it's, this is uh, I, I like it, but it's, it's an average ballad. They've done way, way better ones. <laughs> uh, listen, Ralph, Mr. Bed of Roses fan, you can keep quiet. Hey
3: man, um, I love Bed of Roses, man. I'm ashamed. <laughs> I'm super ashamed to admit that.
2: But I think "I'll Be There for You" is a way better ballad than this one. Um, Agreed. But, but it's still it's a good song. It's again, it's a. T- <laughs> they were still good. <laughs> "I'll Be There for You" is that the one
3: where he says? I wish I was there to see you blow the candles out of your... Yep,
4: that's camp. a better song. Yeah, okay, okay.
3: <laughs> look, it's I don't know, know. I oh,
2: think this going better.
3: You lost the backseat.
2: <laughs> look, I mean, if you're talking lyrics, I mean, look, the, you can't be, oh, no, tears are falling, oh, no, tears are falling, yeah, that's oh, sure no, sucks. tears are falling. That's that, hot. That
3: that, I great. feel that. That sucks. <laughs>
2: But no, look—it's all in context of the album. It was 1986. This was what was going on at the time, and they've got—they got to me. They got better. They got better ballads. They've they've done a lot of shitty ballads too, but it's okay. It's part of the album. It's not my favorite song on the album. Not every song is a a ten on this album. Is it it your least favorite on
3: the album?
2: On this album? Yeah. No, probably "Social Disease" is my least favorite. Okay. All right.
3: All right.
2: And then this one. But I still like them. They're just my least favorite on the album. Right. Yeah. But if this was, I think, pretty sure this was a hit. At least it was in England. Because I definitely remember it being a single.
3: Yeah, I don't remember yeah. the song back I don't remember the video. I, I, I don't think this was a single over here. It might have been, but I don't remember.
2: It was definitely, because it was on that VHS thing that I had. I mean, at that point, maybe, it was probably the fourth single. And people have probably had enough by then. But um, it was definitely a single.
1: Okay. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> I, I I really thought you were gonna redeem yourself here, Steve. But you like this one too. I'm waiting past redemption. Yeah. What are you? What are you? A, your new name is Jew Barrymore because you're a fucking girl. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, uh, I'm a trap, Stephen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man. Who's he kidding? I love where he talks about drinking in the, the beginning of the song. Is he talking about drinking a Zima? Uh, th- this sounds like a kid in grade school writing a song about what he thinks a uh, you know a high school prom's gonna be. It's it's so fucking ridiculous. I mean, oh my god. Never say goodbye, Yeah. Holy fuck. And you, and you motherfuckers have the balls to make fun of Tears of Falling. Uh,
3: hey, hey, I like better roses, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You like glitter. okay? Yeah, I like glitter, too. Okay. That's right. You can make fun of me. It's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. You like glitter. I like without you. I guess it all cancels out. Yeah, you're well. right.
3: You, you're not, you know You what? know, we
1: all desert each
3: other. I, I apologize, Ian. You like crappy shit like I do. Yeah,
1: we we all like crappy shit, but uh, you know the one thing I will say is uh, three of us at least have shame about it. The other one's a Jew named Stephen. Um, oh <laughs> this my is God! All the
2: persecution uh, that my people have been going on about. <laughs> yeah. Stephen, yeah. aren't you glad yeah. you paid
4: for this shit?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I paid to be insulted. Yeah. I
1: mean, when it gets down to it, I think this is what really pisses off Kanye as the way you defend Bon Jovi. Um, but, oh my God. Uh, just, just really, really bad. And it's one of those, uh, as it came on, I, I didn't remember it so much by title, but when I heard it, it all came flooding back. I did remember the video. I remember this being played on the radio. And uh, I was just like, oh, "What a crock of shit!" But maybe, maybe this album is saved by the last track. You know, maybe this is the one. But like, okay, I've been a little rough. You know, uh, we got a closer here. You know, I always talk about how my favorite closer song is the one that leaves you wanting more. Like, oh fuck, now I gotta hear this again. You know, maybe it'll be something like this. Or maybe it'll be wild in the streets. Oh, boy. Uh, Let's see. What do I got about this? Uh, uh, This is the soundtrack of a 13-year-old being dropped off at the mall. Or maybe it's the soundtrack to a mid-season replacement teen drama on the UPN uh <laughs> this this is uh this is really bad uh really really bad and I I think this is a standout track on the album in the worst possible way this is like god damn it these guys could have released you know an EP that would appeal to pre best teenage girls uh and done just fine. But no, they they had to commit all these other atrocities, and one of these is wild, wild in the streets. Holy fuck. I mean, honestly, you think this album couldn't get any worse? I don't know. I don't know. You know, gun to my head. What is the worst song on this album? There is a lot of runner-ups. You know, you got your social disease, you got your raise your hands, you're without love. Well, basically, you can go through the whole set list, uh, but God damn, wild in the streets. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe I bought New Jersey after this, and, and, and true story, true story. Uh, I remember hear, the first time I heard Bad Medicine, I thought it was the, one of the worst songs I'd ever heard in my life. I now, to this day, there's two Bon Jovi songs I like. Uh, Let It Rock and Bad Medicine.
3: <laughs> better Roses, no?
1: Huh? No, no, not on the list. Not on the list. Oh. I like Bad Medicine now. I hated it when I first heard it. But... It was the new Bon Jovi album. You had to buy it. So I bought it, listened to it, and it was the last Bon Jovi album I ever bought. So that'll tell you all you need to know. Ah. Uh, yeah, and that list was not Wild in the Streets. Chris Sinzak, what do you think of Wild in the
4: Streets? Uh, to me, this is the worst song on the record. I, and I, I felt that way back in 1986, and I feel that way today. And my... My summation for this song is this is what you get when you order a Bruce Springsteen song on Wish. That's, it's, 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 it's like it's oh. a pale imitation wannabe Bruce Springsteen song, and I think it fails on all fronts. I think it's cheesy, cringeworthy, and god-awful. I think it sucks. That's my thoughts. Stephen, what do you think of this song?
2: Ah, uh, Well, I don't think it sucks. <laughs> I do like it. Uh, it is definitely cheesy. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but it's a fun album, close. it's just a fun song, it's a fun album, close. it's good live. And I think one thing nobody's mentioned in here, and I'm sure I'm going to get backlash for this, but I think Sambora is a fantastic guitarist.
3: Oh, I think he's good. I don't oh, think he's, he's great. I don't better think he's Actually, I, I think he's a good guitar
2: player.
4: He's I a better singer lie. than John, too. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, I said that earlier, he's definitely. But he's, he's I, like, think, I, I think he's good looking, I'll give you that. Fact. Not, not if you've seen him recently. But I think he's... um. He's a great, and I, I think it's solos. It's solos in a lot of these songs. I think really good solos. Um, I, I don't know, and he, he's a great riff writer. So I, you know, I mean, the songs are great. I just, as you all know, I, I just love the songs anyway. But he, I wouldn't even say Bon Jovi are that different now without him because I still like the newer, a lot of the newer Bon Jovi stuff. But um, he, they definitely miss his component, you know, his part of the band. But his, I think he's playing on this album specifically. They're just memorable solos. A lot of the solos are, you know, like songs themselves. So he saves some of the songs that maybe I think maybe they're okay, but his playing really takes it up a lot much for me. But I, I like this song. It's a, it's an album close. It's exactly what it's supposed to be, and um, it's cool. I like it.
3: Uh, Wild in the Street. What, what's up with Bon Jovi? He's always talking about when me and my boys hit the streets and shit like that. You know. Watch out, everybody. The boys are going to hit the streets and they're wild. They're going to chug some Crystal Pepsi and then eat some pop rocks because they're rebels. This song sucks so hard that Sammy Hagar wish he wrote it. Uh, no, I don't like it. Not, not, not a fan, Steven. Steven, do you like Better Roses? Yeah. Yeah. There. I do, too. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and, and look at that. Three against one, Ian. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, uh, there you go. There's no accounting for taste. Yeah. Uh, this album was released August 18th, 1986, produced by v- Bruce Fairburn. Uh, and it didn't get the original cover it was going to have. Uh some some of you hardcore Bon Jovi fans know. What was it? That? was. Ch- uh, well, if you go on Wikipedia, you can see it. It was a very buxom woman uh, with a wet T-shirt that said, Slippery when wet. Um, mm. But after uh, she agreed to do that, she listened to the record and uh, didn't want to identify as gay. <laughs> um, so they didn't use that. And the actual cover... It's a it's a piece of black vinyl that they just sprayed wet. You know they, they sprayed it with some water and they wrote "slippery" and "wet." It's a uh,
3: bag, right? It's like a plastic. Yeah. Bag. Okay. Yeah. It's a and, bag.
1: Yeah. And they and, which is fit more fitting for the album. I know? knew as soon as I said that I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it open that right up. But, uh, again, there, there's no. The, this is their biggest album uh again i said uh 12 million uh just in the us alone in the uk uh it's triple platinum for 900,000 sales and you know there's like 54 people who still live in the uk so that's saying something uh but you know
2: as, as as much as you hate them you've got to give them kudos they're still around they're still doing it they're still selling stadiums. There's got to be something there just because you don't like it. There's something going on, you know, and I think people. Oh, oh, no, 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 I I agree. And that's why I hate
1: the human race is, (laughs) you know, is they can sell out stadiums and Motley Crue and, you know, Death Leopard can go on tour, you know, and, and sell out stadiums. And in the year 2000, I saw Ronnie James Dio in A House of Blues. You know, that's, you know, I, especially, you know, now that I'm in Seattle with my grandchildren, you know, you look at your grandchildren and you just, you know, you see the future and you see all the possibilities and maybe we need to make the world a better place. And then I see shit like this and I was like, you know what, let it all die. I'm not recycling. Fuck this shit. You know, you know, the. there, there's no there's no future, you know, when shit like this appeals to the masses, I, I, I'm ready to check out, you know, and bands that I know and love can barely sell out a fucking club. Uh, it's depressing. It is. I'm not going to lie. It, it, it's depressing that shit like this, that people would still go to see Bon Jovi. And if anybody's seen this, and we've talked about this on the show before, if you check out the recent clips of Bon Jovi, I do actually feel bad for the guy. It was so—I
2: think, think there's something wrong. I really do. Like, I've seen him many times, and he's always sounded right. like, you know, fine. I think something is not right. The real. Like,
3: oh
1: oh
2: no! You know, yeah, yeah. Now, You know. No,
1: it's I, 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 I agree. There's something wrong, but I. But in all fairness, in, in all fairness, and I'm not trying to, to joke here, I think it's just age. I, I think John Bon Jovi has just reached the point to where he can't do it anymore. I, and I really do. Like, I watch those videos and, like, of course I wanted to hear him sound like shit. But then to hear him sound that bad, I'm like, oh, God. But, I mean, I mean, John Bon Jovi's in his fucking 60s. And that's the thing with a lot of these musicians, like I just, you know, what we talked about in the news with, uh, uh, you know, Jack Russell, okay, he's in his he cannot sing like he could when he was in his 20s and 30s, and it just happens, you know, and it, it's sad, but God damn, dude, you know, do I want to shell out money to see that live, or would I rather just watch some YouTube shit in my house?
2: I got Uh, news. Everybody's singing. Nobody. You can't even hear him. Probably everybody's just singing. Thank God for that. Yeah, but it's all those big choruses. Everyone's just going along with it.
1: Right, but but when you do hear him, I mean, I mean, even you gotta admit, Stephen, it's very.
2: No, I saw I saw those videos, and yeah, I mean, to me, it's shocking. Do you think it's ego still making him do it, or? Money
4: Well, it's so, payday, man. I mean what? I wrote an I wrote an article on the Decibel Geek website and I alienated a lot of people, even some friends of mine about it, because I was like, Rock and roll fans, you're ruining the genre because you keep showing up and packing arenas for people that can't hack it on stage anymore. And Bon Jovi was one of the big ones I, I cited and actually, you know, little inside story here. I was Facebook friends with Hugh McDonald's wife. Hugh McDonald is the bass player for Bon yeah. Jovi. And Hugh he lives yeah. here, and she unfriended me the day that I put that article out, and apparently was very angry at me. But I'm but just surely, like, look,
2: but surely she or he or whatever must see, you know, you're not lying. I, I'm a huge Bon Jovi fan. I've heard those videos, seen those videos, and it's like cringeworthy. You're like, if somebody, somebody's got to tell him, you're ruining. Well, your I don't, your,
4: I don't blame him or Paul Stanley who uses tapes or anyone for getting the payday cuz if you can fill up a fucking arena and make millions more power to you but if you're a music fan fucking look outside your bubble man find some younger yeah. people that can hack it well, on stage well, and go see them
2: yeah but a lot of people well, well that's the thing that. I, I if i i don't really go on you a lot of pe- let's say you're a casual bon jovi fan you go, great they're coming out I haven't seen them in 20 years i'm going to go see bon jovi i'll sing i'll be able to hear living on a prayer you, you money you don't know that you're going to see and hear him so bad Well, not, and
4: you're right, not everyone is as clued into where things are as we
2: are. I took my daughter, she'd never seen Kiss. I I took her to see Kiss at Madison Square Garden, I don't know, four years ago, whatever, you know, on the ever ending world tour, ending tour. And, um, you know, she she didn't know anything about the tapes or anything that was going on. She had a fucking great time. She just enjoyed the show and enjoyed the music. Well, yeah, because with Kiss, it's all about the show, it's not about the music. Yeah, but, I, but, mean, I, mean, but, but I mean, I have it. this fan saying don't go see Kiss because Paul Stanley's using tapes, and it's not the original band. Like, my daughter didn't give a shit. She went. She loves the song. She enjoyed it. She had a great time.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, with Bon Jovi,
3: they don't give a shit either. like, hey, the girl from my book club's going. I'm going to go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> At least Bon Jovi don't use tapes.
0: Give
2: I, that. Yeah. yeah. I had tickets to see Bon Jovi right before... The pandemic. He was playing here with Brian Adams, and I had tickets to see that show. And then they cancelled, and they've never rescheduled it. So well, I, yeah, because I mean, he, he knew Brian Adams would blow him off stage. But I don't know what his voice was like back then. But I hadn't. I haven't seen Bon Jovi. Last time I saw Bon Jovi, I was living in England, and I've been here 26 years.
4: I've never
2: seen him live. Yeah. Well, well, no been. wonder
1: you're such a fan. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, 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 yeah.
1: I've never seen Bon Jovi live. So, I mean, you and Ralph have that in common. You guys saw, you know, you guys paid harder money to see Bon Jovi Live.
3: No, I paid harder earned money to see scorpion <laughs> Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> well, then fuck you, Stephen. Um, but uh, it is what it is. I mean, there's no... You, you can't take away well, what an important album this is, though. I will say that. I mean, just because of the widespread appeal and the acceptance of heavy metal. It's a very, very important record. Uh, and also, you to—you
3: got to put in the factor how the record companies back were back then. Bon oh, jo- yeah. Bon Jovi's first two albums didn't sell that well, and they gave him another chance, and it exploded. There's so many bands today that are awesome, but they release albums that don't sell that well, so they drop them before they can become big with that one album, you know what I'm saying? All
1: right. And, and, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's always the, you know, Nirvana killed heavy metal. I, I so disagree with that. I think Bon Jovi killed heavy metal because what Bon Jovi did, uh, and, and this is really what drives me nuts about him as a person, uh, you know, when they came out. They were so like, okay, yeah, we're part of this, and we're in Hit Parader, and we're this and we're that. Even though musically it had nothing to do with it, but they had the long hair, they had the looks, and it changed everything. It, it did, in all these bands, I don't care if you're Judas Priest, Kiss, or whatever, they all softened their sound, you know, to, to be accepted like Bon Jovi, and then you had what's even worse than Bon Jovi is like fifth-rate Bon Jovi's like tough you know prime example a band that okay we dress metal you know we have long hair we have ripped jeans but it's so far removed from Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath you know it was just it was watered-down pop music but it was started by Bon Jovi it was made popular by Bon Jovi and all of the bands in the lady, I don't care who you were, they were influenced by Bon Jovi. Whether it was to lighten their sound or pretty boy up their looks. So you can't take away the importance of them. You know, and like you have a thing like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I don't believe in, but I acknowledge. Should a Bon Jovi be in there? Yes, I agree because they were so important at their time and what they did and you know the acceptance of hard rock through bon jovi even though they they were they were is you know yet soft as baby shit, but they dressed like they were heavy you know
2: ian, you it is, I, I, ian i'll finish on this you should be very thankful for bon jovi because without them you wouldn't have bang tango
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man th- th- this th- this guy always brings it down to like I feel good about myself like I said something very articulate and then and then he says one thing that like you know takes away everything I said I have no credibility yes someone like you is a great fucking song someone like
0: you
1: yeah dig and it thank i thank bon Jovi it. for that yeah, you're right, you're right. Without Bon Jovi, they might have been heavy. Hey, I like glitter and better roses. Oh, God. All glitter. right, all right. Oh, well, there, there we go. All right, Stephen Kirsch, my brother, I love you.
2: What's your pick of the week? Do you have a pick of the week this week? Oh, God. Uh, all right, yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to pick an album that came out, I think, last year. Um, I didn't know you were going to ask me this, but it's the first one that comes to mind, and it is the latest Thunder album. And the reason I'm saying this, they're an amazing band. It's called Dopamine. It's a double album they brought out, and uh, the singer actually, who's my favourite singer, uh, Danny Bowes, absolutely amazing. He had a very bad accident recently, and uh, don't even know if he's ever going to perform again. But um, he had a head, bad head injury. So I hope he's going to be okay. But the album is fantastic. If you've never heard Thunder, you really should try them out. Don't listen to, don't think about Dirty Love. Think about. Just, I love Dirty Love, though. I like
1: that song. You
2: no, know, it's a great song. <laughs> but I'm saying that's that's like saying you don't like Kiss because you don't like rock and roll or that. You know, there's more to it than right. that. You know, I, I, understand. I understand. Or, and, you, are, and, or you, don't but, like, you don't like them Lizzy because the boys are back in town. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, but right. they're amazing. It's a brilliant album. Uh, brilliant voice. That's my pick of the week. Dopamine by Thunder. Awesome.
4: Chris Sinzak. Uh, I'm going to go with a classic from 1989. It's Bang Tango Psycho Cafe. <laughs>
3: yeah! Yeah,
4: uh, someone like you. I, I'm totally kidding. Uh, no, I'll go with the uh, what was my pick for the best album of 2022. It's a band called The New Roses and an album called Sweet Poison. Make sure you check that out. It's got a got a good uh, kind of ACDC spirit to it.
1: Oh, I, I will definitely have to check that out. All right. Well, I'll go to my pick of the week, and uh, God, damn, I got to laugh because you said "Bang Tango," <laughs> and I, 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 always go back to the time I met Joe La <laughs> Steele. it? Was uh, it "Bang Tango" and "Faster Pussycat"? And my buddy was hitting on this. And I know I've said this story on the show before, but my buddy was hitting on this waitress at the bar they were playing at, and it was a bar. It was You couldn't even call it a club. It was a bar. And he's hitting on her and he thinks he's getting, you know, some play, you know, he's setting it up. And then Joe Lesteel gets off stage and she's all about him and blows off my friend. And uh, he's trying to get in the conversation, he's getting shut down. Finally he goes, Hey, I had a video in the eighties too, goddammit <laughs> And Joe Lesteel looked at him like, Fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> you <know? laughs> that started dialing. He still didn't get to Bang the Waitress. But anyway, uh, my pick of the week is an album that I sent to all three of you uh, that I got. And I know I got a response from – I know Steven got it. I don't know if you saw it yet.
4: I got uh, it. I just haven't had a chance to open it. I actually uh, just thank you. ordered
1: it. I just thank you very, it. Thank you very much. I just How ordered you? it. You're very welcome. But it is the new super deluxe version of an album that's considered one of the greatest live albums of all time. Thin Lizzy's Live and Dangerous. Oh, I and... bought it. Okay, well, I sent it to you, so you have a digital copy if you okay. want as well. But I, I, I sent you a very high-quality digital copy.
4: I thought uh, Mr. X was sending that to me. I guess I got it wrong.
1: I, I mean, Mr. X sent it to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had a few PVRs here. Uh, but anyway, it is... An, 8 CD, 118 track version of Live and Dangerous. You have the, what, you know, what you know is Live and Dangerous remastered. Um, And then all of the concerts, plus uh, another one that that album was taken from. Uh, You have the full concert in Philly, in, uh, in England, in Canada, and somewhere else. Anyway, it's like nine hours of Thin Lizzy
4: live. Awesome.
1: And and it is just unbelievable. You know, Thin Lizzy is one of those bands, when I first got into them, I was a very casual fan. Um, You know, but now, like most, most, uh, I would say, Thin Lizzy fans it's like oh god I never want to hear Boys in Backer Town again you know I never want to hear a cowboy song you know but this band's catalog is so deep and so uh amazing I was listening to it today right before you know when I took my notes for Bon Jovi I was like oh I need to wash my fucking ears and I put on this Thin Lizzy and I was just like god damn the guitars on it are so amazing uh you know, the vocals, just the storytelling of Philanette is, you know, I get why they are Stephen Kirsch's, you know, favorite band. And and I'm so glad it's them and not Bon Jovi. Uh, but just an amazing band that I think, unfortunately, most people don't look behind, you know, or look past the, the songs they know off the radio. There's so much other shit to this band. And and, and they just have their own sound. I love that. You know, I wouldn't call them metal. Uh, you know, they're just a great hard rock band and a great storytelling band. Uh, a band of the people. I mean, musically, I think it speaks to all of us. Lyrically, it speaks to all of us. Uh, just incredible. But the new super deluxe nine-hour uh, Live and Dangerous, that is my pick of the week.
3: All right. Um, Yeah, it's awesome. Um, My pick of the week is um, Cheap Trick Live at the Whiskey 4 CD CD Deluxe set that that came out like a couple months ago.
1: Yes, I have that. That's amazing.
3: Oh, man. Is it ever, man. They were so raw. It was the first album. They did a lot off in color. They did songs they've never recorded, like violins. Yeah the Bob Dylan cover of uh, Mrs. Henry. Um, It's amazing. It's four nights, uh, different set lists. I mean, you get some songs, you know, repeated, but every every set list is different and some new songs. You know, offbeat of things on there that's not even going to be on an album for two more albums. And you got Big Eyes and Hello There.
1: Oh, and what I love about that is you know, it's back in the day where bands would play multiple sets in one night. So yeah. a, a lot of those, it's the first set and the second set. You know, they would have like a an all-age show early in the night, and then the band would come on and do the same, same length, you know, sometimes, you know, and change up the songs. But yeah, I, I believe it's recorded over two nights, but it's actually four separate shows.
3: Yeah, it's amazing, and Robin Zander still sings good today. And he uses his voice way more powerful than Bon Jovi. And uh, he's a freak of nature. He's an exception. You can't say Robin Zander does not deliver live today like he did in 77. The guy still got that fucking voice. Still over. does. It's amazing. Him and Glenn Hughes are freaks of nature.
2: Ralph, did That's... you ever
3: meet him? Yes, I met him once. And, and it was the only rock star I ever met that I was actually nervous. And he was giving the eye to the chick I was with. And I was like, I would consider it an honor if he bet.
2: <laughs> I, I met him. Uh, I met him. He toured. They opened for Motley Crue uh, on the Theatre of Pain tour in England. Oh. Um, I was um, in a record store, and I was with this girl. It wasn't a girlfriend, but it was just a girl who was with me. And she said to me, "Oh, she was she was obsessed with Robin Zander," and I didn't really know at the time. And she said, "Oh my God, he's over there." And I said, Look "Who?" And she's like Robin Zander, and he was in the record store, going through, uh, you know, looking through stuff. So we went over and, you know, she chatted to him and I think she wanted, she was trying to hook up with him, basically. I can't remember what happened, but he was a cool dude. Nice guy. Yeah,
3: yeah, he was super nice. Uh, I I met him just once. I could have met him another time and I was nervous. I don't know why. I, I don't get nervous around Dio yeah. or Ozzy or any of these people, but, man, Robin Zander and Bon Jovi are the only two people I'd be nervous to meet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I, he, he, I I got to meet Tom Peterson and and Rob and uh, I'm sorry Rick Nielsen but uh, Robin was the guy you couldn't go up to and and not that he was uh, it was just kind of told to me beforehand oh wow don't don't go up to him don't bother him and even you know uh, Tom Peterson and Rick Nielsen came up to me I didn't approach them they came up to me Uh, so it was a little bit different but uh, you know, and I had some friends who were talking to him, and they're like, "No, don't go up, don't go up." And I was like, "Okay, all right, whatever." Uh, but I mean, I was like, you know, fucking ten feet away from him, uh, you know. But I, I didn't go up and talk to him. But god damn it, I love me some cheap jerk.
3: I met I met them all. Bunny Carlos is a prick.
1: Really, he he was not anywhere around. Uh, when I saw the rest of the band, it was everybody but him. He was still playing with them at the time, uh, but he wasn't anywhere backstage or around in the area. I don't know if he just waited till the show and then came up. Uh, but, hey, it's all right. I got to hang out with, with, with uh, Tom and Rick, so I'm good. I'm about
3: to go see them. I hope Rick's there.
1: Yeah, I would just say check. Look online. And stuff. I already
3: bought my ticket. I'm, if I, well, they, well I, know,
1: I I know they said they were going to stop doing shows without him. Okay. And then they and and then they said we're going to do shows without him. So they kind of go back and forth. If you if you see him and he's not playing, it will be Robin's son playing guitar
3: and sing. So. He sings down. He sings yeah. Good too. Yeah.
1: But those are all awesome picks of the week. And now it's time to go into Fan of the Week. And uh, Fan of the Week, I'm so happy to do this. And I'm so glad we have Mr. Stephen Kirsch here. And I just got to say, I mean, there's Fans of the Week, and there's Fans of the Week, and then there's Fans of the Week. And uh, Stephen,
3: you're a Fan of the Week. Yeah, he's a fan uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm an OG. Yeah, that's true. Stephen- yeah, you are. You are. You've been
1: here since the beginning, Uh, you know, you came to see me in New Orleans, you know, a couple times, you got to hang out with Ralph, so, you know, we know you, and we know what an incredible person you are, and what a great fan of the show, and I I think what speaks of volumes, you know, what you said multiple times through the show is, you know, we talk about shit that you're like, yeah, no, that ain't me, but... You know, I love you guys, and I love this show. And uh, you know that—that's to me that speaks. by, You know that—that's that tells me what we're really doing is that even if it's something that's out of your wheelhouse, that we can still entertain you, still make you laugh, still make you come back week after week. Uh, you know that we're that we're doing something right, but more importantly, it's just awesome that Ralph and I have gotten to know you. And uh you know you are family, you are OG, and uh unfortunately we won't see you this year at Rockin' Pod, but I know you will be at a future Rockin' Pod, because Rockin' Pod's gonna keep going on because every fucking year it gets bigger and bigger. So again, don't fucking dilly-dally on buying those fucking tickets. But uh, I, I can't wait to see you again in person, and I, I truly do consider you a friend. And uh, you know, because I have your phone number, I can text you, I can call you. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I put you on mute all the time. Yeah, you're the real deal, and and my and my mother thinks the world of you. <laughs> and it drives me nuts, but oh, um, she, oh I,
2: I love your show. You know that, and uh, I also love Festival Geek as well. Chris, you do a great job. Oh, so thank you, bands, I, I listen to that. But no, you guys have given me years of, of entertainment, so I'm always happy to, to help out whenever I can. And uh,
4: great. just keep it
2: up. We're funny. Laugh. We are very funny.
3: <laughs> That's my impression of Mark Allen Taylor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, brother, we appreciate it. And, you know, it's not only you're a fan of the show, but you put your money where the mouth is, you always donate, you always help out towards, you know, whatever cause we're trying to do, and uh, we're just, we're very lucky to have you as as a friend and a fan, so thank you I so try, much. I,
3: I agree with Ian. Alright, uh, thanks guys. I appreciate And, and, your and not only you, I, I love all Jews. Well, all of them? <laughs> Every one of them, even the dickheads. Even David Rushmore? Uh I don't know who that is. David Ryan from Bon Jovi. I, I liked him better when he had that palm tree on his head.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: sideshow Bob.
1: Yeah, he, he's about as he's about as bad as George Soros, but we, <laughs> or George whatever his name is. We won't go into that. But uh, but no, seriously, we love you, brother. We can't wait till we meet again, and it's just a matter of time. Absolutely. And let's not let's not it be too long because uh, I want to hang out with you again. I'll see you at Bon Jovi Oh, well, maybe not. But uh, after that, we'll hook up. (laughs) But if you enjoyed this episode, come back next week. I believe next week is going to be another fan episode. Uh, Oh, you bet you're out. I want to
3: say it's going to be a better episode. I I say, dude, every (laughs) show is going to be a fan episode because I want to get rid of this shit. Me and Ian are flipping the bill this year for Rock and Pod.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you guys pick up shitty albums we're never going to do fan
3: episodes again. I again. We're done. We're done. <laughs> I I I but, do, I do double duty, dude, cuz I got to do this shit on my YouTube channel with the shitty donations and here it's like, "Come on, let's get rid of at least one of them."
1: Yeah. Yeah, but but the thing is like I on your show, you get like new and current money. We're still paying back shit we got
3: like 10 years ago. (laughs) Exactly. And in a way, the YouTube subscribers are flipping the bill for Rockin' Pod this year. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. But make sure all of you, if you can, I implore you, please go to Rockin' Pod. Go to the Rockin' Pod website. See all of the things that you can enjoy. And again, there's so much than just, you know, seeing Ralph and I big part of it and you ask anybody who went to it we are there hanging out with you all the time you know you whether we let you interview the artist with us or you're at fucking waffle house with us or we're doing all your drugs and booze in our hotel room we're available we're there you will get your rock and metal combat podcast fixed but besides that there's so much more
3: yeah, like, like uh, Aaron silver jacket.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can meet the golden throat, Aaron Camaro. Yeah. And, it, and you can you, you can meet Chris Sinzak. You can make fun of him for the, the Bon Jovi songs he gave. Well, well, past.
4: Let's not deter people from coming. You don't have to put that in there.
1: Yeah, you got a point. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just a, a great event and a way to show your support for these podcasts that you love for the artists that you love and just to have a good fucking time. And, uh, you know, anybody who's on the fence, I don't think Lee Gertzman's going this year. So, you know, you don't have to worry about that.
3: Uh, (laughs) Chuck Charles, man, the great Chuck Charles will be there from Poland. Ah,
1: there you go. There you go. Uh, definitely show up and come back next week and every week. To the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Whoa! whoa, whoa.
3: <laughs> Let it rock!
1: <laughs> All right, guys, great show, great show.
4: That's fun, guys.
1: Everybody sounded good. A lot of fun. Looking forward to it, Chris. I can't wait to see you in March. Yes, sir. And uh, and. Little Jew boy, God damn it! You get on the heel, and you come back next
2: year, okay? I'm gonna try. I really want to be there, so I'll 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 be there eventually, and we'll I'll I'll meet you, Chris, and I'll see you two idiots. And uh, we'll have- <laughs> <laughs> Bunch all right.
3: Rules, better roses, bitch. <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right, y'all have a great day.
1: All right, I love you guys. Take care. See
4: ya. Take care, guys. Thank you. All uh, right.
1: Bye. bye. <laughs>